Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, you know him. He is the co-host, and he's also the designer of the new ODPH logo that you can find right now on Public. A jack of all trades, but we just call him Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I just got to say, I had to dodge the Jokic brothers to get in here, so I'm a little nervous right now. See, I was almost worried you're going to have to hold Coach Duffy back, who uh, is unconsolable right now. Yeah. That he could not make the show. Yeah. We will get into that at one shots because that is how jam-packed we have a show to talk this week. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod, and swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com where you can join in the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there. Parlay points, new blogs are always dropping left and right. You never know when. The T Public Store, which I just mentioned, Pad has a new logo up on the site. Yeah. And it's looking sweet, folks. Don't take my word for it. Swing on over and go get it because the holiday season, you know that we got a lot of stuff coming out there. And so much more is on the website. I don't want to hold it up. I got to get to the show. That's why we say just go to odphpodcast.com. And kicking off the sports edition of the ODPH, you know we talk NFL when it's going on. That leads everything off, and we have to recap the week that was with our locks and leaps. Mm -hmm. So, Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so I'm going to start with my lock. I chose the New England Patriots to defeat the Tennessee Titans, uh, which they did by the final score of 36-13. Mac Jones, 23 of 32 for 310 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, 11 of 21 for 93 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And I just got to say, because I credit Patriots social media on this, this is the, this, uh, with this win, this makes 28 uh, winning months or like it's some bizarre stat where like they've had 28 winning months or something like that where they haven't had a losing record or something absurd it's like it's an absurd stat it's a crazy stat but i think what everybody should be watching that if you are an nfl fan is the patriots are back mm-hmm. and i know i feel like a broken record saying it every week but they went in and just completely decimated a titans team that is banged up we oh have, yeah we have to note that yeah no, uh they let adrian peterson go which was just mind-boggling considering the fact i don't know when derrick henry's gonna come back if he's gonna come back right he's done for the season i would say you know you've got uh julio jones who was on ir mm-hmm. you've got they just added aj brown to ir so it was like hey like they did now Tennessee did put up a fight for a little bit of it. You know, it was only 7 nothing Patriots after the first quarter. But this is still a, a team that, let's not forget, put an absolute whooping on uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots, you know, last time they were in town. And this, that was the last time they played each other was Tom Brady's final uh, game in a New England Patriot uniform. Mm-hmm. And I also got to say, uh, Mac Jones, uh, most games in the league this year with 65-plus percent completion this season. He's got 10 games. Brady, uh, Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins, Kyler Murray, and Dak Prescott are all tied for second place with eight. Because the kid is the real deal, and he does smart passes. The one thing about him is he's not going to win a shootout of highlights. No. He will put up points. He does it very well, and he manages a game where he literally takes 
a team out of it. Yeah, and and the coaching staff and Mac are both very smart in that they know what his skill set is, mm-hmm. and they don't call up plays that are outside his skill set. He can throw a deep pass every oh, now sure, and then, sure. but it's not his forte. So what do they do? S- curls. You know, cuts and, and check down stuff, nothing deep, maybe an occasional pass, you know, to here or there, you know, but they keep it to his skill set and they don't go outside of that because they work with what they got. They work with what no, he, they know he can do. Why bro- fix what's not broken? Exactly. They're doing it the Patriot way. They're nickel and diming everything. Uh-huh. You can say it's not flashy. I would say it's effective. Oh, yeah. This isn't like we're talking Indianapolis, which is the most boring team to watch on football. Yeah. Sorry. The Patriots are doing this with a little bit of flair because Mac Jones is, for such a young age and being a rookie, is looking like a seasoned veteran of at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. This is so bizarre for me to say, but it's true. And watching how he took a team that is very familiar with the Patriots and a Mike Vrabel-led team. Yeah, who was on the Patriots for many, many years. Mm-hmm. He knew what to expect going oh, in with this, and oh, we, yeah. we know they've had a, a, a short history sure. facing each other. Max stepped up to the occasion, and one thing the Patriots do better than anybody, second-half adjustments. And when you started seeing Tennessee come back in that second quarter, mm-hmm. Belichick and company did what they do best. They went into the locker room. They came out with a whole new game plan and shut them down. Tannehill has been playing effectively to a degree. Tannehill's serviceable. He's serviceable, but he's without some weapons. So yes. this is not completely on him. I want to make sure that that point is well known. But the Patriots really took him out of the element, and when you're trying to have a team beat you with role players instead of superstars, Yeah, it's going to be a long day. Oh, it's yeah. not unheard of, but... It's few and far between. Oh, yeah. This is where the Patriots really stepped up. They've made a statement win going into a very, very big game on Monday night, mm-hmm. which has playoff implications. I know it's crazy, but now we're in the oh, final month of the season. But we are now here because for a team that, let's face it, we all thought was a season away from where they are now. Even myself, Patriots fan, thought they were a season away. Mm-hmm. They are now poised to make a run to the playoffs, and they're going to get in one way or another. Mm-hmm. This is wild to see, but this is just how well the Patriots' dynasty is. That you take out Tom Brady, who has been the longstanding legend. Oh, yeah. You now have rebuilt with Mac Jones. You've adapted the offense to his skill set oh, yeah. to a T. And like Pat touched upon, he's not going to go for the big bombs downfield like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes does. Yeah, He goes for the little slant passes, little curl routes. That's all he's doing. He's nickel and diming. He's shortchanging everything. Yeah, But it's effective. It's not boring, but you know what to expect because guess what? We have seen this for years oh, yeah. with Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. Tom Brady was known for deep passes, but not really until I would say – 2007 when they got Randy Moss. Exactly. You never that, had a deep threat. That's when you started to see it more often. But before that, it was it was much of the same. Nickel, dime, occasional deep pass here or there, but nothing all the time like you know he might do these days. No. But so you're, you're seeing flashes of that, and I think we also got to give credit to the defense. I mean, the Patriots defense got credit for five hits on uh, Ryan Tannehill. There was also one interception uh, from J.C. Uh, Jackson, a.k.a. Mr. INT. <laughs> you know, he's got seven interceptions on the year, which is good for second in the NFL only behind Trayvon Diggs in Dallas. Yeah. But then the defense themselves, I saw this wild stat that I didn't even know. Patriots as a defense have the most interceptions in the NFL with 19. Uh, they're three ahead of Buffalo, who's second with 16. Yeah. 
their defense is playing lights out, especially with all the changes they've had. Gilmore is no yeah. longer there. Yeah. And Jackson would be the stat line except for Diggs. Yeah. Let's face it. Oh, yeah. But this is a very scary team to be facing going into the cold winter months. Mm-hmm. And now they have momentum going into that big game. And, I mean, Pat, we can just flip it to the schedule right now. We got Buffalo coming up, but then after that. Yeah, it's a very interesting schedule. Uh, like you mentioned, they got Buffalo on Monday Night Football here, which is their first meeting of the year. Yes. Uh, then the Patriots got a bye week in week 14. And then to close out the year, they are uh, at Indianapolis in week 15, uh, at home against Buffalo uh, week 16. Week 17, they're uh, at home playing Jacksonville. Uh, so that's on January 2nd. So Jacksonville's going to freeze their ass off. Yeah. Uh, and then close out the year, they are uh, down in Miami playing the Dolphins. So they have a very tough schedule going into this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to be easy except for maybe Jacksonville. Yeah. Jacksonville, and then who knows where you're going to get with Miami. This is true. Everybody else is very serviceable to give them some problems. So for the Patriots, they're on that roll, and I'm going to tell you right now, the benchmark game is going to be against the Bills this week. Uh-huh. And if the Bills win, it's not going to derail anything. The Patriots are going to take their first shot and see what happens. I'm more curious about the second game they face each other. Yes. This one, I'm not saying is a throwaway because it is big. It has playoff implications. Don't get me wrong. But this game should not be the win-lose draw and all be-all of how this team ranks. Mm -hmm. This is going to be their rivals they're going to face. The Bills are going to throw them a look. The Patriots are going to adapt. Guarantee you that second game, it will be a whole different ball game. Oh, absolutely! It's it's going to be very interesting. You know, Tre'Davious White unfortunately going down with an injury. Yeah, he's done for the year. But yeah, no, this game should be very, very interesting. Absolutely. So I definitely have my DVR set for that. There you go. Because I know I'll be recording six or seven TWS during that game. So uh, the chat will be very live during that, to say the least. But uh-huh. for Tennessee, though. They have kind of I don't want to say fallen off a little bit, even though they're eight and four. Yeah, they're eight. They're eight and four. But they're, injuries are catching them though. Yeah, they're uh, in first place in the AFC South. Uh, Indianapolis is right behind them at six and six. You know, so they might squeak out the division win, but that's just because the other teams in the AFC South in uh, Houston, in Jacksonville, and then Indianapolis just aren't playing all that great. You know, but yeah, no, the injury bug is definitely plaguing uh, Tennessee. Uh, and to close out the year, they have a bye week, thankfully, coming up uh, this this week so they can, you know, lick their wounds a little bit and get some stuff figured out. Uh, after that, they close out the year at home against uh, Jacksonville, traveling up to Pittsburgh in week 15, at home against the 49ers in week 16, 17. They're at home against the Miami Dolphins. And then to close out the year, they travel down to Houston to play the Texans. So you don't really know what to expect from. I mean, there's no. a lot of teams that could show up and play spoiler during that yeah. schedule. Yeah, And it all depends on how Tennessee rebounds. Can they get some people back healthy? Derrick Henry, let's just face it, let's rule him out for the season. Sure. I don't think you want to ruin your franchise guy trying no. to rush him back. No. So And they did establish they had a solid run game with the players they had this week. Oh, yeah. No, they had like 130-some-odd yards rushing, which ain't bad. Yeah, it's not bad. So it's nothing to sneeze about. Just a better team beats you. Yeah. But to say you're going against some of those teams that you mentioned, and let's face it, they're 50-50 at best. Yeah. We don't know what to expect out of them. Houston, who knows? Yeah, Houston. They're playing it's division. They're, division. They're, they like playing spoilers. So anything is possible there. But for the Titans, they're going to have to rebound quick and get back on track because the division is not exactly a lock for them. But no. going into the playoffs, they don't want to go one and done either. No. They do need to do some work. I think they'll definitely take the time to do it. Like you said, they got the bye week coming on, yeah. thankfully. Yeah. So that will help. But how they come out of the gate after that is going to be the telling point, though. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. 
So let's talk about your leap this week. Yeah, so my leap was the Minnesota Vikings to beat the San Francisco 49ers, and I was wrong uh, with San Francisco winning by the final score of 34-26. to 26. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, 17 of 26 for 230 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Kirk Cousins, uh, 20 of 32 for 238 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, some other notable stats, he had Eli Elijah Mitchell uh, from San Francisco carry the ball 27 times for 133 yards with one touchdown. Great for him uh you had brandon a look uh from also from san francisco catch the ball three times 91 yards no touchdowns uh on minnesota side you had justin jefferson four catches 83 yards no touchdowns also got to note dalvin cook uh did go down with an injury and did, was carted off the field during this game uh, according to uh espn uh and adam Schefter, he has suffered a dislocated shoulder no. so he's expected expected to miss the next two games uh but he might be able to return uh for their monday night game on december 20th against the bears well i think we already ruled them out for making a run to the playoffs yes unfortunately but losing cook for that many games i mean that almost puts the nail in that coffin for him unfortunately minnesota has all the potential on paper to do good things but they get in those game situations against teams that they should beat and somehow some way things fall apart you can blame cousins you can blame the coaching staff you can blame a lot of things but it, they get on that field, and I don't know what happens. I don't want to say they're like Atlanta, who is the most inconsistent team in football, mm-hmm. them and the Chargers. Yeah. But Minnesota has to be in that conversation a little bit because they were in this game. And granted, Dalvin Cook gets hurt. I understand. You take him out of the equation. Sure. You still have a wide receiver core that can do some damage with Jefferson and Thielen. And that's why that's why I took this game. I'm looking at the now. Granted, the Dalvin Cook injury definitely hurt them. But oh, yeah. I, I was still looking at this going, all right, they got Dalvin Cook. They got Jefferson. They got Thielen. You know, they, their defense is not bad. They, this should be able to pull it up. But I think this just ended up being a case of, you know, it being a shootout. And San Francisco had a few more bullets in the chamber. You know, just because it was tied 14-14 at halftime. Uh, and then San Francisco came out of the gate in the second half and scored 20 points to Minnesota's 12. You know, and then nobody scored anything the final quarter. So I think this just ended up being a case of uh, San Francisco had a few more bullets in the chamber for the shootout. I think so, too. I mean, the one thing about San Francisco is they get lost in the shuffle a lot with Seattle yeah. and the Rams. The, the whole NFC. And Arizona. This, the NFC West in particular, too, because they are the toughest division. Yes, in all of football. Yes. And the records might not show it as much because Seattle has had a roller coaster of a ride this year. Yeah. So we kind of have to put a little asterisk by it. But if you want to take a look at the other teams in there. Yeah. San Francisco flies under the radar a lot because usually they're the ones bit with the injury bug, and they were hit this year too. Yeah, so I mean, we, we, yeah. So I'm looking at the NFC West. You've got Arizona, who's in first place at nine and two, so everyone's singing their praises with how good they've been playing. Mm-hmm. LA Rams are seven and four, who have been getting talked about a lot with the way they've been playing, good, bad, and otherwise. Also, the moves they've been making. Yeah. <laughs> Then you've got San Francisco, 6-5, and five, like you said, flying under the radar. And even Seattle is getting talked about more just because of the slide they've been on. So it's almost like they are forgotten in that entire shuffle. Well, the one thing about Seattle, not to get sidetracked a little too much because we'll talk about them in a minute, is with their injury bug, losing highlights a lot of negatives. Yes. And Seattle has finally been exposed for very big weaknesses that they've had, mm-hmm. primarily their offensive line. Yeah. So when that happens, teams are taking them apart. We usually see this with there's a lot of injuries. Sure. With injuries, this is just like a big, big magnet, like pointing oh, yeah. and just it's, sticking right to it's them. It's like bringing a blacklight to a murder scene. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's a big, big 
flashlight shining down on him. Yeah. I should say rather, excuse me. But with San Francisco, they were usually the ones hit with those injury bugs. And they've had to deal with them a little bit here and there. Not as bad as no. years past. No. But they are going to scrap in every game. They don't do things that flashy. They do mix it up a little bit here and there with Debo Samuel. Yeah. And when they can keep him on the field healthy, they're a different dynamic because they'd like to do those end of rounds with him. And it really changes the tempo of the game, especially when you have the best tight end in the league, George Kittle, there. Uh-huh. But they really took him out of the game here. Yeah, so he only got targeted, whereas there it is, uh, two times, and he caught one ball for 13 yards. Yeah. So Garoppolo switched it up and definitely played a, a more solid game than I thought he was going to do against the Vikings, who have a very serviceable defense. Like, we can't say, oh, well, you know, they have a horrible defense, blah, blah, blah. No, they're serviceable. It's not going to go down in like the annals of history as like one of the best defenses ever, but hey, it gets the job done. It gets the job done, but so does San Francisco, who flies under that radar too. They don't have the big names to stand out like they have in years past. No. Sorry, they just don't. But they'll go in there and they'll scrap, and it's going to be a long day no matter what. You're not really seeing this 49ers team getting blown out that much. No. So that being said, they could make a run into those playoffs if they play their cards right. I don't know necessarily if they can swing it, though. That's going to be the yeah, big X factor with, yeah. with them. Because looking at their schedule. Yeah, so their next game is uh, they play up in Seattle and play the Seahawks. After that, they travel out to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Ooh. After that, they go stay home to play the Atlanta Falcons. Then they travel to Tennessee to play the Titans. Uh, then they stay home to play the Houston Texans in Week 17. And then to close out the year, they travel uh, out to L.A. to play the Rams. So they got a chance to at least win three games there. Yeah. Yeah, the what is it? The Houston one they should win. The Atlanta one they should win. Seattle, I don't know right now. That, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a, a coin flip. That's a legit coin flip. And then Tennessee, I don't know. It, it depends on which Tennessee team shows up, you know, and who they have on, on deck to play, you know. And then the LA Rams, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well, division games, no matter how bad of a team the 49ers have been, they show up. Yes. They always do. It's the one basis I have for that whole division theory. When you see your opponent twice a year, that's your rival. You get up for them. No matter how bad a team the 49ers have been over the past couple of years, they have always stepped up for their division opponents. Always. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen here as well. So if they play their cards right, they're going to need a little luck. Mm-hmm. They could sneak into that final playoff spot. Yep. But, like I said, they're going to need a lot of luck. Like, I don't see them catching up with Arizona yeah. unless something really bad happens there. Yeah, so currently uh, San Francisco has the number six seed in the uh, NFC. Yeah, and I could see them hanging on, too, just with a favorable schedule. But if we see a performance like we did this past week, uh-huh. which it's not super flashy, 230 yards in one touchdown is not exactly a wow stat line for Holy Garoppolo. Shit. No, but it's serviceable. Yeah. And that's what this team does best. They're going to play a little bit of smash mouth. They're going to be hard-hitting no matter what, but they're not exactly going to be putting up huge fantasy football numbers. No. They'll get the job done. And for 49ers fans, you have to be excited about what you've seen here. Because if you play like the way you did on Sunday, you'll be fine. Yeah. But if you slide, then it might catch up with you. Yeah, so it just depends on what they do moving forward. And for Minnesota, I mean, I think it's pretty much a wrap. They're in the eighth seed right now. Uh, They win a tiebreaker. So they're in the eighth seed. Atlanta's nine. uh, And uh, they win the tiebreaker over Atlanta uh, based on best win percentage in conference games. Uh, Division tiebreak was initially used to eliminate New Orleans. Atlanta wins the tiebreak 
over New Orleans based on head-to-head percentage. So they're in the eighth seed right now. So they they uh, they got a shot. You know, never say never. Uh, looking at their schedule to close out the year, they've got they go to Detroit to play the Lions next week. Uh, they stay at home the week after to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. They travel out to Chicago to play the Bears in Week 15. Uh, week 16, they uh, play the Rams at home. Week 17, they're going to Green Bay to play the Packers. And then to close out the year, they're at home against the Chicago Bears. I mean, they got a very tough hill. Uh, I see. I don't know. Uh, Detroit, they should be. Pittsburgh, they should be. Chicago, they should be. The only two question marks are L.A. and Green Bay. Three division games, though. That's true. Yeah. That's that's the one thing. Chicago Even, fucking sucks, though. You would think, you would think, and I agree with you. I'm going to say Chicago is absolute hot garbage. So is Detroit. It is what it is. But these are those games that Minnesota could take too lightly. Like, I can see this happening. Not saying I'm going to call my shot lock and leap it. Sure. But I can see it. So Minnesota just needs to play solid football and really take their division rivals very seriously and get those easy wins because they should be on paper. This shouldn't even be a question mark. Oh, yeah. But what we've seen with Minnesota, you can't exactly lock them in for it. Like, that's the sad thing. Because Kirk Cousins, when he's on, he's on. Oh, yeah. But it's a matter of flicking that light switch on to make him go is a whole different process. Well, and getting him motivated, which you really shouldn't need to do. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, to get him invested in winning, it's just my opinion on this. Yeah. This is like the hardest thing to keep him consistent. Yeah. Because if he played consistently, they would be in a lot better position than they are right now. Oh, my God, yeah. Not first place in the division, but Christ, better than under 500. Right. And obviously the NFC is so bad, they could sneak in there. Yeah. But then again, you're, you're going to be the one-and-done territory if he yeah. just does not turn the switch on and go. I think they could make it. Just the only thing I think is going to hurt him is no Dalvin Cook for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, because Alexander Matson is their listed second string running back, and I'm pulling up his stats now. Uh, for the season, he has 88 carries for 315 yards and one touchdown, which is nothing sexy. But when you have Dalvin Cook ahead of you, you don't really need him to do work. Yeah, so they're going to need to win those easy games against Detroit and Chicago without Dalvin. Yeah. They have to. Oh, yeah. If they don't win those two games, if they wind up splitting, I'm going to say they don't get in. I'll make my bold prediction right now. I think that's a safe bet. But they need but they need to win. Yeah, I agree. Like, on paper, it shouldn't be a thought. It yeah. really shouldn't be. Yeah. But then again, it's division. Detroit, for as bad as they've been playing, have been looking somewhat better. Hey, they, can, they can't go Owen. 18, 17, whatever the hell it is, but they can still go, oh, 16 and 1. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get out of them. Uh huh. And with Chicago, too, I mean, they're bad. Hey, they're up. Yeah. <laughs> they're bad. I mean, that's the only thing you can put it. They're bad, but if Minnesota plays down to both of those teams' level, yeah. they can get caught out there. Yeah, Minnesota can't cannot afford a bad week. They're just not in that space. No, definitely not. Switching now to my locks and leaps, and my lock, oh, this was a this was an ugly game. Yeah, this was this was closer than it probably should have been. For primetime Sunday night, this was an ugly game with two really good teams. Uh-huh. Pad, let's break it down. Yeah, so Baltimore ended up beating Cleveland by the final score of 16-10. to 10. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 20 of 32 for 165 yards passing. One touchdown, four interceptions. Baker Mayfield, 16, or excuse me, 18 of 37, 247 yards passing. One touchdown, no interceptions. This was a trash game. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know we have a lot of Baltimore listeners and we have a lot of Cleveland listeners. Facts are facts. Listen, this was an ugly game. Lamar Jackson finally turned it on in that second half. 
but I have no idea what he was doing in that first half. I'll say it was uh, 6-3 in favor of Baltimore at halftime, which if this was like Baltimore and Pittsburgh from like 5, 10 years ago, I'd have been like, this is a great fucking game, but it's not. No. Baker was struggling against Baltimore, which, listen, the Ravens' defense is their calling card. Uh Uh-huh. Fully get that. But Mayfield just did not look comfortable all night. No. And this is surprising because I thought with the headache gone that is OBJ – they would start turning it around a lot quicker. Nick Chubb was back. Things were looking in the right direction. Nick Chubb was back, but he only got eight carries for 16 yards. Because Baltimore keyed in on it. But yeah. still, you have your security blanket. Like a quarterback's real security blanket is their tight end. But the running back, and especially a high-caliber one like Chubb. That's an offensive blanket. Right. That bails you out of a lot of situations. They just could not get the ball going. And he, like I said, he did not look comfortable in the pocket all night. I know he was finally connected with Jarvis Landry, which helped a lot. Yeah. But every time you take a step forward, they could not get the ball past the chains when they needed to, especially on third down. I got to put a lot of this on their coaching staff, in my opinion. I thought the play calling was very, very bad for him. Sure. I mean, I'm going to come out and say it. I think they're winning against Cincinnati because they they let – or no, they traded OBJ after their game in Pittsburgh where they lost 15-10. to They, they traded OBJ to the Rams, who, by the way, OBJ hasn't had a touchdown catch in like 400-something fucking days. Mm-hmm. Uh, they And they dropped 41 uh, on Cincinnati and a 41-16 win. I'm going to call that a fluke. That was a bad game for Cincinnati. Cincinnati got caught flat-footed because you look you take the Cincinnati game out of that. Mm-hmm. They lost to New England 45-7. to yeah. They beat Detroit 13-10. to You should have beat them by more. Let's face it, Detroit fucking sucks. And then you lose 16-10 to 10 to Baltimore, which, again, bad game for Baltimore. They got caught flat-footed a little bit, turned it on in the second half. I don't know what the hell's going on with, with Cleveland, but that one-game win against uh, Cincinnati, I think, is a fluke. Well, the one thing that I noticed watching the Browns is their decision-making is very suspect. I was going to say the same thing. It's very suspect, and it falls on Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. So I'm. this has to go to the head coach because this has been the consistent problem they've had. When you have a chance to move the ball, mm-hmm. you don't. You go for short yardage gains. And oh, you yeah. think that you're going to catch a defense sleeping. Listen, certain teams you will catch sleeping. Sure. Baltimore? Hell no. No. They're Hell no. Defensive focus, that's their mantra. Like That for is their like calling card. For like two decades. Yeah. Their offense, when they put up points, it's a big deal. I'm sorry. Even with Lamar Jackson. It's a big deal if they put up points because they're not needed to. Like, when you go in Baltimore, you're expecting to hopefully get out of there with a very close win. They're going to punch you in the mouth, and you're going to go, oh, shit, we got to play tough. Exactly. And Cleveland did step up for it. Their defense played very, very well. Oh, sure. But, Four interceptions on Lamar. Hey, pretty damn good, but your offense just couldn't get shit going. But that's the problem, and you have to give it to either Baker making bad decisions, or I, I think it's more the play calling. I'm not giving I, him yeah. an excuse. No, yeah. It's I, a 60-40 in my opinion. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. And uh, Baker definitely gets some of the fault with this, but I think you also got to put it on the play calling just because the one thing I remember from playing Madden all those years, and I haven't played it recently, so I don't know if they still say it, but the one thing I remember, and especially when Madden was doing the commentating in the game, is when you run the ball, he'd always tell you how running the ball really sets up everything else in your offense for passes and screens and this and that. They're, they had 17 collective carries on that offensive side of the ball for Cleveland. Kareem had seven. Chubb had eight. Baker had two. So take Baker out of yeah, the sure, field. Take, him out, take yeah. Baker out because it was probably, oh, shit, I got to pass it. Nobody's open run. So you had 15 runs the entire for the entire fucking game for a collective 36 yards. 
you cannot get an offense going unless you're playing like an, on an all Madden team with like the greatest wide receivers and tight ends in the NFL history. Mm-hmm. You cannot get an offense going if you're only running for 36 yards in 15 times. Exactly, Pat. You hit the right on the head, and that falls on the head coach. I'm sorry. Like you can override somebody if you need to. You're the captain of that ship. Steer it in the right direction or sink it. Yeah. You decided to sink it because this was an atrocious offensive game plan. Yeah. And the fact you stopped running. Yeah. Well, and you look at the averages, I'll even factor in Baker's because Hunt averaged 2.9. Chubb and Baker both averaged two. So as a team, they averaged 2.4 yards a carry. So congratulations. You you collect, you averaged a, a run and made it thir- basically second and eight. Let's, mm-hmm. let's round down. And then your longest rush was nine yards from Kareem Hunt. So congratulations. Your longest run of the night didn't even net you a first down. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense doing that. It legit does not. And that's where the problem was. They should have won this game outright. You have Lamar Jackson turn the ball over four times. You win that game. We'll say, yeah, Jarvis, like, Land- Jarvis Landry had 111 yards receiving. Harrison Bryant had 50. Uh, David Njoku had 35. Chubb had 23. You know, uh, Jamarcus Bradley had 18. Donovan Peoples-Jones had 10. Like, that should, you on paper, you should look at that and go, shit. You yeah. Should, you should win with that. You should. You should take advantage of those turnovers, but they couldn't. And you gave Baltimore all the opportunity to do it because once he got the drive going to Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson took over. Like, he finally calmed down. Like, I don't know what it was with him, but once he got settled in a little groove, he started picking them apart. Oh, yeah. He did what good quarterbacks do. I don't fault him for, you know, struggling against the Browns because they have seen him a, a few times. But with four interceptions, he shouldn't have won that game. Mm-hmm. The fact they did, kudos to them. That's the smart thing to do is get the get, get through this and say, we're on the next week. Don't even look back. Oh, yeah. Definitely say, hey, it was a good game, but we're on to next week. Yeah, because being the number one seed as they are right now in the AFC, they just need to worry about staying healthy and getting through the playoffs. Yes. Because if they don't and they start worrying too much about how this performance, and granted, it was in prime time, it's not the best look. Sure. But it's got to be next game up. Sure. So, Pat, take a look at that schedule. Yeah, so Baltimore, uh, to close out the year, is playing in Pittsburgh this uh, upcoming Sunday. After that, they go to Cleveland and play the Browns again. Uh, Week 15, they stay at home and play the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Week 16, they're traveling out to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. 17, they're staying at home to play the L.A. Rams. And then to close out the year, they're at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a brutal schedule. That's rough. That's brutal. You might be able to pull off those two wins against Pittsburgh, but again, divisional game, you never know. Yeah. Cleveland... Again, never know, divisional game. But Green Bay, Cincy, and L.A., yikes. I would not want to face Cincinnati right now. Because uh, just in case you don't remember, unless you're a Cincinnati fan, uh, the, the Ravens did face Cincinnati in Week 7 where they lost 41-17. to You'll see a definite different team on the field, though, for Baltimore this time oh, around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I will say this. I would not want to face Cincinnati when they're healthy yeah. and they're back to being healthy. That's the scariest team right now in the AFC, bar none. Mm-hmm. Even more scary than New England. Yeah. I'm going to say oh, right I agree now. With you. I agree. The Bengals are on point right now. So for the Ravens, it's going to be brutal to stay at that number one spot. It's it's going to be tough. They're going to get it's in the playoffs. Doable. So. It's, do- oh, it's they, doable. It's doable. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to get in the playoffs. It's doable to get the number one seed, but yikes, it, it won't be easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then on the flip side for Cincinnati or or Cleveland, Cleveland, excuse me. Uh, You know, I thought they had a chance. I was talking to a coworker of mine who's a Cleveland fan. And I was like, hey, you guys got a chance, but you need to basically win out. That's not looking like it's going to be the case. Uh, And to close out the year, they've got their bye week this coming week. Uh, After that, they close out the year uh, playing Baltimore at home, the Raiders at home. And then they trip on a two game road trip playing Green Bay in Pittsburgh in their respective cities. Uh, And then they close out the year at home against Cincinnati. 
that's not an easy stretch either. No. No, the Browns, I mean, right now, it's it's caution moments. Uh-huh. I'm not saying hit the panic button, but I would be very cautious. Because now, with a performance like this, I heard about some nonsense about, you know, yet again, people getting on social media and, oh, yeah. and bitching yeah. about Baker. Yeah. Listen, if you were so focused on your team, you wouldn't have had as low of yardage that you did. Mm-hmm. So my thing would be for anybody that's deciding to get on Instagram and social media and complain about your quarterback. Or, or having your parents do it. Yeah, however it's going down. Worry about your own house and not your neighbor's lawn. Because, you know, when you live in that glass house, you're not hiding anything from us. So that being said, for the Browns, somebody's got to get a hold of that locker room really quick. Yeah. And I thought with OBJ gone, we were going to be done with this. You would think. But this is a problem that for Cleveland, I could see them falling apart and having an epic collapse. I unfortunately am predicting that, yeah. Yeah, I'm not wishing it. No, neither am I. any means. You know, they were on the upswing. It seemed like things were going in the right direction, and... Boy, the wheels have fallen off. Everything's falling off for him. So for the Browns, you're going to need a little bit of luck. Yeah. Not saying it can't be done, but they're going to need like Miles Garrett or somebody in that locker room that is a presence to really get everybody back uh-huh. on track. You have to. You have to do it this week before your next game. If you don't, the season's a wash. Yeah. End of story. Yep. Oh, man, Cleveland. I had such high hopes for you this year, too. My Super Bowl pick. Mm. I'm going up in smoke. Bye-bye. Speaking of buys, let's talk about my leap. Yeah. Because we talk about good teams, and then we talk about how losses can really expose a lot. Seattle mm-hmm. and Washington, and the fact that Washington is now in playoff contention. Yeah. Oh, Pat, let's break this down. Yeah, so the Monday night game was Seattle and Washington, and you had Washington, interestingly enough, looking to win a Monday night game for the first time since Robert Griffin III was their, was their quarterback. Yeah, it's been a while. Oh, my God. Uh, credit to Pete Rosenberg on the Michael K. Show for that one. Uh, but, yeah, Washington was able to pull it off. They've now won a Monday night game since RG3 was quarterback, uh, winning by the final score of 17-15. to 15. Uh, Taylor Henneke, 27-35 of 35 for 223 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Russell Wilson, 20-31 of 31 for 247 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Well, this game can be easily summed up as Seattle has no offensive line. They also have no running back. Thus, you have no running game. You're getting by on Russell Wilson, who can only do so much. But Washington somehow, someway, put up one of the ugliest games I've seen on Monday Night Football for a W (coughs) in recent memory. In fact, the final minute of this game was one of the most absurd things I have seen. Hey, hey, hey. That final minute of the game got me my win in fantasy football. I, I was down by like five or ten points, whatever it was, and I had Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf going into Monday Night Football against the, the Washington football team, and I'm like, I got this on lock. This is easy. You know, I don't got to worry about this. And then I looked because I was playing games and, and tuning into 607TWS hey. on uh, twitch.tv slash 607podcast. Love the plug. Uh, You know, and I... Playing, I got done with that. You know, watched an episode of a show, and was like, "Oh, let me see how my fantasy game is going." Wait a minute, how the fuck have I not pulled this pulled this out yet? What what the fuck? You know, so it wasn't until sixty two seconds left when Russell Wilson was making his drive down the field for his inevitable touchdown. The touchdown put the icing on the cake and really put me ahead. The INT did not hurt me. Yeah, you know, but it wasn't until sixty two seconds left that I finally won that fucking game. So it wasn't Seattle tough loss for you, but hey, thanks for the win. It's a tough loss. 
the fact that their wide receiver core got completely shut down. DK Metcalf, one catch, 13 yards. Targeted four times, I should know. Yes. And that one catch literally didn't come until, like, the final drive in the fourth quarter. Yeah, exactly. It was just a slant route. He ran to the corner. I'm sorry, Tyler Lockett got targeted five times, only caught three. Gerald Everett uh, targeted nine times, only caught five. Uh, Freddie Swan targeted two, caught one. You know, they they just, Seattle, just for whatever reason, just couldn't get anything going. I mean, your leading rusher was Russell Wilson, your quarterback, two carries, 16 yards. It's their line. I mean, it all falls back on their offensive line. They cannot establish a running game. Haven't we heard about this for a couple of years now? But it's but now it's really getting exposed because let's face it, when Russell Wilson went down at the beginning of the season, yeah, they looked like a really bad football team. Yeah, huh? And that defense, kudos to them for keeping them in as many games as they did. Uh huh. But let's face it. You're only as good as your line is if you're a quarterback. Yes. If Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, whoever you want to say is a great quarterback, has a line like Seattle, trust me, they're not winning half as many games as they've won this season. Facts. Russell Wilson, coming back in this, did all he could. The fact that he got it back to as close as they could really showed, one, how good he is, and two, Uh how bad Washington is. And their defense, yeah. And their defense without Chase Young. Listen, they shouldn't have been this close it really shouldn't yeah but you let russell wilson do a 96 yard drive down the field in the final two minutes of the game yeah and the fact that he made another egregious throw into the end zone hey i, I do appreciate a good uh seattle interception at the goal line uh but no i mean <laughs> I, listen i do uh facts are facts yes this is y- true you know but also also the fact that you mentioned drive down the field for that the game the game time touching or whatever the hell it was also the fact that they did it with no timeouts yeah it was ridiculous. Like, just to see how he ran it down the field. I mean, that's how great he is. Yeah. But, my God. Oh, yeah, no, it, it's definitely a bad look for a defense if a quarterback goes down the field on the final drive of a game and gets a touchdown to re- really pull it in within striking distance of winning the game. You can take a little bit off of the off of the you know bad stuff you can say about the, about that drive if there were timeouts. Sure, you know like if if Russell Wilson, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Drew Brees, they pick your quarterback. If they put a final drive on you in the final uh, t- touchdown on the final drive of the game, and they have timeouts, they're like, oh hey, what the fuck are you gonna do? It's one of the great. It's a great quarterback. Exactly. But the fact that he did it without timeouts is just. Shows how bad your defense is. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Washington is bad. The fact that they're in playoff talk at 5-6 and six uh-huh. shows how bad, one, the NFC least is. Oh, God, yeah. And two, how bad the NFC period is. This is a joke. And this game really exposed how bad Seattle's line was. I mean, that's the takeaway. If you gave them a more serviceable line, trust me, they win this game 28-17. to 17. Sure. Easy. However, Russell Wilson drove down the field on one of the most laziest defensive performances I've seen in the last two minutes of a game. And the fact that he made another egregious throw into three defenders with nobody in sight. Something about Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, and goal line throws. Oh, my God. I don't get it. I don't get Shout it. Shout out Malcolm Butler. Oh, I know. I was. It was like deja vu almost. Just different teams. Just without Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, exactly. Which, I mean. <laughs> Fuck, they could have used Marshawn in this game. I, I was going to say they should be calling somebody because – and you know what, though, with that line, it wouldn't even matter. No, like, God, that's, no. That's how sad it is. That if, if Seattle had a more serviceable line, and now you're just seeing the just... It's like you're watching the 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 deterioration of a wall. Yes. And just every year it takes more weather damage, yes. and it just keeps weathering away and yes. weathering away. We're now at the base grub. 
Yeah. The, you you're, know, the, you're, you're approaching bedrock here. Yeah, the grouts are completely gone. Like I say, you have nothing on your foundation. And if the rumor is true, and I say rumor, that they're talking about trading Russell Wilson, good for him. I hate saying this because I know we got some Seattle fans. I mean, listen, he's done everything he can for that team, but he can only do so much if he ain't got nobody to protect him. This is deja vu with Matt Stafford. Yeah. This is how sad this is. Yeah. And for Seattle, I just don't get it because they're a smart organization. Pete Carroll knows what he's doing up there. The front office knows what they're doing. Why you have not addressed your offensive line woes is beyond me. So not put their priorities in check, man. I don't know. I It's, it's mind-boggling because, like, even if we want to take a look at their schedule, I mean – there's no chance they can make the playoffs. I mean, they would need a miracle run. Yeah, so looking at the playoff seeding, Seattle is, there they are, uh, currently in 15th in the NFL. Yeah. NFC, only ahead of Detroit. Uh, and for their the remainder of their games, they are at home against the 49ers, uh, traveling down to Houston to play the Texans. Then they go out to L.A. to play the Rams. Uh, then they have a home game against the Chicago Bears, another home game against the Detroit Lions, and then they close out the year uh, away at Arizona. They could help to sweep everybody there and get to ten and eight, and it's it still wouldn't do a thing. They're gonna get one, or two, nine and eight. They're gonna get one, two, three. They should get four wins. They should beat Frisco. They should beat Houston. They should beat Chicago and Detroit. I don't see them beating the Rams. And I don't see them beating Arizona. No, they're gonna come barring up Arizona being locked up for the number one seed, and they sit everybody. Yeah, that's the only way I see them beating Arizona. It's just not gonna happen. And the fact that Washington is in playoff talk, like this, is just yeah. Washington currently the seven seed. I hate saying this. This is nauseating. Yeah, uh, there's Washington, no way this should, this team should be in a playoff talk. Uh, and Washington to close out the year, they have a game in uh, Vegas to play the Raiders next week. Uh, then they've got a home game against the Dallas Cowboys. Then they uh, travel out to Philly to play the Eagles. Uh, then they got to uh, travel down to Dallas to play the Cowboys in Week 16. 17, they're at home against the Eagles. And then Week 18, they are uh, up in New York playing the Giants. They're, they're in a good spot, but the fact that you have one, two... The fact that after this Vegas game, the remainder of your schedule is all divisional games is really going to hurt or help you. Yeah. I don't even know what to think about the NFC least. Like... On paper, they got a chance to make a run. Yeah, they do. I mean, they're currently ahead of uh, Dallas is in first place, seven and four. You got Washington in second place, five and six. Then you've got Philly in third place at five and seven. In well, then there's the Giants. Yeah, enough said there. I don't expect Washington to make it, but hey, crazier things have happened. But mm-hmm. if, if they do, they're not making a deep run. I would be shocked. No, this would be some kind of disney movie-esque cinderella. taylor hinky cinderella part like eight yeah like leading the team to a super bowl sorry it's just not happening no not, not with this team and not without no. chase young like i'm sorry this team is not gonna, they're gonna be chase one young would help but even chase young wouldn't help get this team to the super Bowl. right he's not gonna get more of the hump they have no. so many woes it's not even funny uh-huh so let's take a quick roundup around the league obviously we had our thanksgiving day games in chicago and detroit worst uh Thanksgiving game in NFL history. I'll say it. Oh, yeah. No, you can definitely say it. Uh, 16 to 14, the fact that the Lions had this game and they let it slip off the the fingers there just says it all. I mean, they're mm-hmm. bad. Chicago's bad. This I don't even want to talk about this game. Uh, next up, though, we had the Las Vegas Raiders sneak one out at Dallas. Yeah. This was a great game. That was good. Yeah, I was excited about this. Obviously, the Raiders doing what they need to do to stay in that playoff talk. 
mm-hmm. solid win over a team that, like, let's face it, Dallas is starting to get exposed a little bit. They're looking a little more human. Yeah, which is something I don't think they want to be facing going into the playoff yeah. stretch. And I know people don't like Dallas and Detroit hosting games every year on Thanksgiving. I'm all right with Dallas. The Dallas games are usually pretty good. Can we get Detroit off those Thanksgiving Day games? Because I don't think they've won a Thanksgiving Day game since I was in diapers. The problem with Detroit is just for whatever reason, and I get that there's parity in the league. I'm never going to dispute that. Detroit just seems every year that they are a step behind every other team in the league. That's been their issue for like 30 years. Yeah, but they've had flashes where they've been serviceable. Yeah. But it's just more times than not for whatever reason. I understand it's tradition. I get that. But listen... We've been changing traditions in the NFL. It might be time to move on and do something different. I'm just putting that out there. It's not exactly something I'm rooting for, but, hey, I get it, and it is what it is. That being said, those Buffalo Bills showed signs of life against the New Orleans Saints. And I got to say, it's kind of a little bittersweet because as much as a great game that Josh Allen had with four TDs and 264 yards – we lost uh, Tredavious White yep. for the season. That's going to hurt you. That's a big blow going into a game where we could definitely use him against the Patriots, but at least the Bills are back on the winning track. However, going into next week, there's still a lot of areas that I was very scared about mm-hmm. because this, this Saints team is not exactly a good team. They were injury-plagued too. No Alvin Kamara, no Mark yep. Ingram. Yep. I'm the Killing Bill, my fantasy team. Yeah, the Bills took care of a scrub squad. Yeah. To put in my opinion, like I'm sorry, these guys were the backups. It was yeah. not. It was not the yeah, real. I mean, your leading receiver, your leading rusher, excuse me, over on New Orleans was Tony Jones Jr. Who? Yeah. Uh, Who? And, exactly. And then your leading receiver was Lil Jordan Humphrey. Uh, you know, three catches, 47 yards. Again. Who? Shout out to the broadcast boys, Cincinnati. What can we say about them? They put a whooping. Yeah, they did on Pittsburgh, 41 to 10. Yikes. I, uh, Joe Mixon have a goddamn good day. Twenty eight carries, one hundred and sixty five yards, two touchdowns. Listen, the Bengals are for real. If they stay healthy, they're going to be a problem in the playoffs. I don't oh, care. Yeah. I don't care who you're facing. They're solid on both sides of the ball, and Joe Burrow is doing the damn thing. So yeah, uh, I was as I was talking to a Pittsburgh Steelers fan at work the other day. Uh, you need to let they need Pittsburgh needs to get rid of Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger is done. He can't do it anymore. What the solution is, I have no goddamn idea because uh, their their third string guy, not not J- Mason Rudolph, but the Dwayne Haskins, mm-hmm. apparently doesn't give a shit, you know, and doesn't want to play. Uh, apparently, when Roethlisberger wasn't going to play, and there was a chance that Dwayne was going to play, it was reported that he got asked about the potential of playing and learning the playbook, and he said uh, allegedly, "Why bother." Yeah. So, and and for all thoughts, views, and opinions about how bad uh, Pittsburgh is, I ch- I recommend you check out Ryan Clark's promo he dropped on Get Up on ESPN yesterday because the man called him out and nothing he said was wrong. No, he was on point. That was uh-huh. that was that was vicious but true. Uh huh. Hundred percent. No faulting him on that. Tampa Bay won a very ugly game against those Colts. I mean, listen, Tom Brady hasn't lost to the Bucs in, like, the last nine games. No, but Le- not the Bucs, the Colts. No, but Leonard Fournette had a day, four touchdowns overall, 100 yards on the ground. Not bad. Listen, they did what they needed to do, 38-31 to 31 over in Indianapolis. Bad loss for the Colts, good win for the Buccaneers. Tampa Bay starting to kick it into gear if they can get that run game going. I know we always talk about Tom Brady with them, but they're looking solid. Miami defeated... The Panthers. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I want to get into this game. It's the Dolphins, I believe, fourth straight win. Yeah, they've beaten the Texans, Ravens, Jets, and now Panthers. 
I'm not saying they're going to sneak in the playoffs. Uh, there's a, it's a long shot because in the division, they are currently in they're there, third place behind your uh, your team and my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the AFC, they are currently the 13th seed. Uh, so they need a lot of help. They need a lot of luck. But listen, I will say this. I'm not the biggest Tua fan. And I think everybody, if you've been listening a long time on the podcast, you know that. The fact that he's actually showing some signs of improvement, I think good for him. But yeah. I still would tell him, get the hell out of Miami. Go to Pittsburgh. I'll even say that. Uh, that'd be better. That would be a better situation than that dumpster fire they got going in Miami. I'm sorry. When you need a closer to close out your games, it's a bad sign. And, yes, I know the Bills have the Maserati, but we only pull them in when we're up by about 30 points. Yep. We don't pull them in when it's a close game. Uh-huh. So, that being said, Miami did what they need to do. Cam Newton, oh, don't have a day. Did we really expect that? I'm, I'm sorry. Like, the first game back was great and all, but did we really expect anything different from him? I thought this. I thought he would give the Dolphins a bigger problem. Yeah. I'm not saying it was going to be a, a more like one-sided for him, like they were going to completely go 45 to, t- to 10 on him. Yeah. I thought he would actually put up maybe 24 points, Yeah, not an abysmal 10. I mean, the thing of it is, is Cam was great once upon a time, you know, but the thing of it is, is from that point and even early in his career – to where the league is now, it's so night and day. Oh, yeah. Where you could get away with a mobile quarterback and who could occasionally throw then. Now, the mobile quarterback is great, but you've got to be able to fucking throw. And Cam has never been known as a thrower. No, you're, you're absolutely on point. The days of the mobile quarterback of his era are long gone. That's how much this game evolves for talent level and how coaches work in the offseason. We preach about that a lot. Uh-huh. To be great, you need to evolve. It's fine to be a mobile quarterback. Look at Lamar Jackson. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Look at, you know. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Look at Kyler Murray. But what can all of those quarterbacks do? Throw. Yeah. Cam, he's got an arm, but it's not exactly lighting up anybody's fantasy stat lines. Let me put it this way. Cam Newton and Josh Allen were very similar when they were in college. Yes, However, Josh put the work in to fix his accuracy at the pro level. Cam got by on pure skill. Uh, Josh went in for extra credit, got a tutor, got some help, put the extra work and did all the extra credit. Cam went to dinner and partied. Exactly. But you know what? You can make up a lot when you had North Turner as his offensive coordinator for, for all that time. Yeah. So he's now getting exposed. It's sad to say. But at this day and age, I'm sorry, his best days have passed him way, way by. Yeah, which is sad to see. It's sad to see, but it is what it is. You know, it's just the ever-evolution ever of the game. Yeah. See, I can't even talk because I'm going to get wound up for my next pick of review here. Those football giants snuck one out against those Eagles. Hey, broken clocks right twice a day. Oh, my God. And, you know, Coach Duffy, to his credit, in our chat for Locks and Leaps, Giants by a million. I was wrong on that point. He was wrong, and you know what? If the Eagles had kept running the ball, they would have won this game. Yes. I'm sorry. The fact that they did some of the most abysmal play calling to give the Giants this game is so egregious. I I can't even, like, focus my words. Yeah. Because, I'm sorry, the Giants should not have been this game, and the fact that they're – Long shot in playoff talk. I, I can't even. Well, I, you know what it is? It was the fact that they retired Strahan's number. Little little motivation. Oh yeah, it was a little motivation. But for the Eagles, it's like you had them on the ropes. Uh huh. If you kept running the ball, you would have won that game. Like, why did we stop and we try becoming a passing team? You don't need to. If you're winning, do what you're winning at. The Giants don't exactly have a lights out defense. 
they have sometimes the, the bill is paid, so it flickers every now and then. That's all they got. Yeah, I said it, Coach. At OD Parlay Hour, I know you listen to the show. I'm going to say it out loud. They got by, and this was an ugly game. I mean, kudos to Michael Strahan. Yeah. Listen, well-deserved retirement, uh, raising the jersey. Listen. Yeah, congratulations. Fuck you. Good. Yeah, good for you. No, I'm sorry. As a, as a Bills fan, yes, I enjoyed what you did to the Patriots. But at the same time, this New York Giants team is nowhere near your team quality, so I don't even want to give them the time of day. Sorry. Hit the reset button, and on the way you go. Atlanta and Jacksonville. Do we even want to talk about this game? Day toilet bowl. Yeah, 21-14. Next. Don't get Jets. Jets and the Texans, 21-14. Toilet, toilet bowl part two. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're skipping past all these right here. The Broncos upset the Chargers. Bad loss for Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Bad loss. I know it's division. Like we said, Chargers, good on paper, but it depends which one shows up. Oh, my God. This is like awful. Jekyll and Hyde. That, this game might cost them. I know it sounds wild to say, but they could be barely hanging on for that playoff spot. Uh-huh. This was a bad loss in the Broncos. I mean, they're tied now with 6-5. and five. But still, if we go down to tiebreakers, the Broncos, I think, got the heads off. Like, how crazy is yeah, that? Yeah, so I'm looking at the playoff uh, seeding. You've got the – where there it is, Kansas City's uh, in the four seed because, hey, they're division leaders. Uh, then you've got the uh, Vegas Raiders uh, at the eighth seed. They win the tiebreaker over Denver based on head-to-head win percentage, and then you've got Denver right at number nine. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. That's going to get ugly. Going into December, that's going to get absolutely ugly. Speaking of ugly, let's talk about those L.A. Rams. This game was fucking awesome. This game was amazing. Holy shit. Aaron Rodgers does what Aaron Rodgers does best. Pat, I know you just had that stat line. I'll let you call it up because this Uh, is worth talking about. Yeah, so uh, Green Bay won by the final score of 36-28. to Aaron Rodgers, 28-45 of for 307 yards passing. Two touchdowns, zero interception. Uh, Then Matt Stafford, 21 of 38 for 302 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. I know some folks, especially the ones in our chat for Locks and Leafs, were saying that the uh, Indy-Tampa Bay game was the greatest. I'm going to say Green Bay and L.A. Rams because, hey, that was the one on in our area. This game was fucking nuts because I got home from work, turned on the game, and you had, uh, what was it, the deep throw to Van Jefferson for 79 fucking yards. Oh, my God. And then they came right back. Green Bay came right back and dropped a dime on their own to put them right in territory for scoring. Holy shit, this game was awesome. This game, I will agree with you. I thought it was the better game. I mean, don't take anything away from Indianapolis and Tampa Bay. You know I ride to Indianapolis a lot, but still. This game stood out because you had dueling quarterbacks just literally having a shootout. We talk about that a lot, about, you know, you got to have an arm to really compete. Uh huh. These two had it. Sorry, Indianapolis, it was more of a ground game. But listen, I'm not mad about that. No. They still put up points. But this was the game that I really wanted to see because Matt Stafford with this team, and he's got all the weapons in place, albeit, though, they're all melting down around him. Yeah, he's got a, decent, like I said, decent uh, receiving core. Just needs a run game. Well, the run game has always been suspect since they lost Todd Gurley. Let's, let's be or honest. He, or he got hurt, yeah. Yeah, let's be honest about that. So since he's not there, who's stepped up? They don't have that. That's their gaping problem that stands out like a sore thumb. It's huge. Yes. Like, you can't avoid it. No. So, that being said, they're going to need to address it at some point. However, though, since they made their big money moves about getting OBJ and Von Miller. They're like 0-3, 0-4. Yeah. They're not putting up any wins whatsoever. And that's the problem that you have when you go out and get big free agents to come to your team or big players that are leaving other teams. It just sometimes doesn't work. The chemistry is not there. I've We've said it a long time here with OBJ. Uh-huh. Listen, one one-handed backwards grab does not make you a Hall of Famer. You should go out there and still play like you always do. For whatever reason, he couldn't work in Cleveland. He couldn't work in New York. 
Why do we think it was going to be any better here in L.A.? I don't know. I don't know. But the, still, they brought him in, even though they had serviceable wide receivers. I know Robert Woods not being uh, you know, injured definitely hurts them long term. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, no, that's really hurting. But still, OBJ is not putting up that many points. I understand 81 yards. I get that. But still, I'm not seeing the big difference maker that everybody thought he was going to be. And for, no. the, and for the Rams, I mean, still, I mean, there's rumors he's still complaining about the ball. It's like, how are you complaining? Well, listen, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, and that's why I say it's rumors. I've been, you know, allegedly reading on reports here. Yeah, but take it for what it is. I just—he's always been a problem, no matter where he's been. So I could see some facts to that. And with them in turmoil, he's facing a team that is coming together since Aaron Rodgers is back. Yeah, this is going to be a team that you're going to have to face in the playoffs if you're going to get there for LA. Like they need to go through the Green Bay Packers, and the Packers are winning games that listen. Love him or hate him, Rogers balls. Yes, he balls out every time he's on the field. Health my fantasy team. Yeah, he he is a beast, and he makes other players become better. You don't have that with Stafford, unfortunately. He does what he can. You yeah, know, he's, he's got a way better line than they ever had in Detroit. But still, you look at what Rogers he's got does. A way better everything than he did in Detroit. Oh yeah, I mean no, it's a day and night difference with him. But still, you got Rogers who is making everybody around him better, and their defense is playing at a good level. Yeah, I'm not going to call him elite. Everybody's I've, I've talked to has been like, oh, Packers got this elite defense. It's good. It's good, but you're letting the Rams put up 28 on you. That's not elite. No. When you start doing what Baltimore does usually against teams, then I'll call you elite. 28 on you, uh, 34 from Minnesota the week prior. Yeah. You're not elite. You're good. We saw those problems last year. Hello. Yeah. Did they really fix them? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Survey says. Yeah. So, but when you have Aaron Rodgers, that covers up a lot of wounds that you have. He's also, the sh- biggest Band-Aid you could get. Shout out to Aaron Rodgers' touchdown run in the pump fake, which was fucking incredible. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. So he is back, and he's playing in prime form. All the nonsense of him not being on the field seems to be gone away. The team has got refocused. Yeah. This is what the Packers fans need to go into the playoffs with. Huge win for them and for the Rams. Hey. Doesn't help them. It does not help them. Uh, I know they are in the toughest division in all of football. Yeah, I mean, what working out in their favor is they're currently the five seed in the NFC. Uh, and to close out the year, they've got Jacksonville, Arizona, Seattle, Minnesota, Baltimore, and San Francisco. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tougher stretch run than people want to give them credit for. Yeah. So we'll really have to see what the Rams are made of. You can't crown them just yet, folks. So much football to talk about this yeah. week. But definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from this past week's NFL action? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast and time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. Man, there is a lot of wrestling going on this coming week, weekend. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you want a real deep dive of what's going on, I strongly suggest you check out 607TWS, which is in podcast form, or on twitch.tv slash 607podcast, because there is so much that we actually didn't get a chance to cover this on that podcast. Yeah. So we're going to take the time to do it on this show. Yeah. So, Pad, what are we going to talk about? Uh, well, so NXT uh, has got their next pay-per-view taking place this Sunday. And, uh, Ken, uh, what pay-per-view is taking place this Sunday? War Games! Yes. Uh, so that is the seminal, you know, 
uh, pay-per-view that uh, NXT likes to do. You've got the two rings. You've got the two teams, uh, two teams of folks going at each other. It's a great pay-per-view. It's been awesome in the last couple of years. Should be interesting this year. Of course, Undisputed Era, no longer a faction. Uh, half of them aren't even around anymore. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what goes on this weekend. But we're going to give you a little preview of the card and what we think should happen and who you should look out for. Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting point because this is the first real takeover that feels like a big deal uh-huh. since they rebranded NXT as 2.0. Yep. Like, they've done some smaller events, and that's why I say they're, like, smaller takeovers like Halloween Havoc and all yeah. that just. Yeah, This is the one, though, when you talk NXT takeovers and war games is such a staple, and it's a benchmark because what NXT has done better than the main roster prior to 2.0 is they have pulled off war games better than anybody. Yes. And the cream of the crop, the best talent they have on their rosters, men and women, have gone into war games and absolutely stolen the show. Mm-hmm. So now we're at that reset where... Going into a couple months of this now, yeah, Pat, what is your vibe about NXT 2.0? Be honest. I mean, uh, it's not as good as it used to be. I used to watch NXT start to finish no matter who was on the show because I know it was going to be good. Now it's pick and choose. I might, you know... I might set it to tape while I'm watching, you know, since Flash has come back. You know, I might watch Flash first and then fast forward through NXT, tape NXT, fast forward through that, catch what I want. Just because, you know, this stuff, don't get me wrong, this stuff with Braun Breaker is great. You know, anything with LA Knight I enjoy. Gargano, you know, but, and and Joe Gacy, since we've seen him wrestle here locally in, in the 607 area. But past that. I just don't really care for much else. Don't get me wrong. The toxic attraction stuff is great. So I, I tune into that every now and again, but I'm not there every week. Like I had been in the past. See, the one thing that I understand they tried doing since they've now really taken away the triple H stamp of approval, in my opinion. Yeah. And they've really switched it up where it does feel like a third brand of what you see from raw and SmackDown. Yeah. Love it or take it is we now have characters. Sure. And that's the big thing they're doing a lot more gimmicks that, this really takes me back to like the late nineties, early two thousands yeah. era. And I yeah. get a lot of when Vince Russo was running WCW and new blood. Uh-huh. And that's a very polarizing subject when you talk to wrestling fans. And I think that NXT is really reflecting that right now that we are seeing a great group of young talent. Get yeah. Some time. Yeah. Some of them are in good gimmicks to get over, which I mean, the biggest stars right now, in my opinion, that are on NXT coming from the men's side, is Braun Breaker oh my and, God, yeah. and Joe Gacy uh-huh. because they've really taken the characters they've been given and really ran with it. Yes. And we're also seeing some other characters that I don't know how they're going to shape up. Sure. Like Tony D'Angelo maybe is going to be somebody that gets over. It's a great gimmick, but I don't know if it'll last. I, I don't know how that would translate to the main roster yeah. per se. The guy, great New York. Yeah. The, <laughs> the guy they got uh, teaming with uh, Kyle O'Reilly, which oh, yeah. I think is just a disservice to O'Reilly at this stage. Uh, I don't know how he's going to do. Von Wagner, I think is his name. Yes, it is. I, like, that's how forgettable his character is to me. Like, I'm sorry. Like, kid, my, kid's got all the talent in the world. I know they try really featuring him a lot. Yeah. I just haven't really seen a lot to really get invested in who he is. And then on the women's side, I think they've done actually a really good job about establishing new talent there. Yes. And especially Mandy Rose, who has had this career resurgence. Oh, my God. God. The fact that she is now, I see her as a bona fide superstar. Yes. Before I would see her come up to the main roster, be like, okay, I'm not sure how it's going to Good wrestler, but really didn't translate. No, it really didn't. But now you've given her a whole new look, a whole new character, and being the head of a faction, it's working. She's a legit threat. She's a legit superstar. Yeah. Like, there's no question, and I could definitely see her coming back up to the main roster and doing some damage. 
if they wanted to. Yeah. But I think for right now, let her be the franchise of the women's division in NXT. I think that works out so good for oh her God, and, what yeah. and what they're doing. I yeah. mean, they still have a stacked roster down there of men and women. Yeah, they do. They're still going to get the chance to shine. And with War Games, or I should say War Games, they really need to put a stamp of an exclamation point on the show to really say, hey, NXT might be different, but it's still the same show that you know yeah. and love, and the, and the brand will not take a little uh, lackluster appearance yeah. to the crowd. Yeah, so while NXT might not be the same, might not be the biggest fans, this card, though, I'm looking at this card, top to bottom, pretty damn good. Taking yes. place this Sunday, December 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Peacock Network in the States, overseas. Check where it is on your uh, devices. Uh, but we're going to go through the matches. Uh, first match up here we've got is the women's war game match. So you've got Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai, Cora Jade, and Kaylee Ray taking on Dakota Kai and Toxic Attraction. So that's Mandy Rose, Gigi Dolan, and JC Jane. This is going to shape up to be a really fun match. This is going to be nuts. I can't wait to see this. Io Shirai and War Games is always oh. show stealing. Always. And this really ties up a lot of storylines. The fact that they're really behind Toxic Attraction. I'll put them all in here with Dakota Kai. Uh-huh. Who Dakota, I honestly thought was going to get called to the main roster by I now. I did too. She's one of the best heels in the business. But I'm happy that she's... This could be the final shot with her, though, before she gets called up. I, I think could, she's also 3-0 in War Games matches. Yeah, she, she steps her game up, too, as well. So this is going to be a fun match. I know that Kaylee Ray is going to be in here from NXT UK. Uh-huh. She's going to definitely want to make some, you know, noise in that cage too. Because I know Zoe Stark is not playing or not wrestling because she was dealing with an injury. Yes, but still, this is a great showcase of the women's division. So, uh, if I have to make a guess, it's still going to be uh, Team Mandy Rose all day. Toxic Attraction is going to win this outright for their teams. Uh, I couldn't give you like a, a finish though. No, yeah, I think it's going to be the same thing. Although I'm going to say uh, Io Shirai is going to have the moment of the night because she's going to do something fucking nuts. Yeah, she'll jump off the top of the cage. She'll do something absurd. Yeah, it could be something like she. It, it, I like I say, I can't even figure out what she's going to do. It's going to be nuts though. Yes, it'll be crazy. Uh, next up is Cameron Grimes versus Duke Hudson in a hair versus hair match. Okay, so are you familiar with Duke Hudson? No. Okay, his gimmick is he's like a poker player. Okay. So they've been doing this with Cameron Grimes to the moon. Always got to shout him out. Uh-huh. Where Cameron was basically beating him at poker. They, they yeah. set up a Texas Hold'em in the middle yeah. of the ring. They were yeah. doing something like that. So they've now been trying to establish this Duke Hudson is, you know, not happy that Cameron Grimes keeps showing off. So they're doing the hair versus hair match. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, I can't see Cameron Grimes getting a haircut. Yeah. I, 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 I just can't see him losing to... I don't want to call him gimmick matchup, but like the last big matchup I can remember he was in was for the million dollar championship. You know, he lost that one and then he was the servant butler to LA Knight. I just can't see him losing that and then turning around and, you know, hair versus hair match. Oh, you lost that one. Now you got to lose your hair. Like, I don't see it happening. I, I can't, but then again, they might do it to really put this guy over. Like, I don't know. Like, it's a weird scenario because Cameron Grimes has just emerged as such a character in his own right. That I don't know if they want to do this at, you know, on NXT with him and have him completely change his gimmick. I mean, yeah. that's his hair is who he is. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at a photo of two cuts and comparing him to Cameron Grimes. I mean, it'd be more effective and shocking to see Cameron lose his hair. Oh God, yeah, it'll be absolutely crazy to see that happen. But like, I don't know how I feel about that. Duke already doesn't have much hair. Yeah, it's like Duke. I can it's see a normal. It's a normal haircut. Yeah, I can, I can see him losing it. So I'm hoping Cameron Grimes, but I am not saying it's out of the realm of thought that. Duke Hudson gets the win here. Uh, I, yeah, I can see Duke Hudson getting the win. Also, if you're going to keep doing uh, poker uh, things with him backstage, there's uh, two certain guys who like to play poker in WWE history that you ought to bring in. Mm. Just saying uh, in a word that would be damn. 
That would be fantastic if yeah, they decided to. Uh, next up is a tag team matchup for the NXT Tag Team Championship. You've got Imperium and Fabian uh, Aikner and uh, Marcel Barthel taking on a team yet to be determined. Uh, as of this recording, it'll be determined on tonight's episode of NXT, uh, where you've got Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner taking on Legardo Del Fantasma. So that's Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza. Uh, whoever wins that matchup will go on to take on Imperium this Sunday. So... I would hope it's uh, Phantasma. Uh, that, I think, would be the better matchup. Yeah, I, I really hope it's them. But I sense it's going to be O'Reilly and Wagner. Okay. they're it, it, Doing the eye test, they seem very high in this Wagner kid. Sure. I haven't really seen anything that, that has the wow factor. Mm-hmm. I know I'm kind of repeating myself here, but it's true. Kyle O'Reilly, I don't know, man. This whole thing with NXT 2.0, he just feels like he's lost in the shuffle. Yeah, to a degree, yeah. And, like, I'm not saying, oh, he's going to go to AEW or whatever, but I could see him needing a refresh somewhere. Like, even if you called him up to the main roster and just gave him some time like to do something. So I'm going to say that... A Wagner and O'Reilly win this one, and then I'm hoping Imperium wins this on Sunday. I I don't want to see them hot shot the belts. I'm gonna say uh, Del Fantasma, you know, just because I think O'Reilly and Von Wagner are just a little too new of a tag team together. You know, Del Fantasma a little more established; they've been around together a little longer. I think just giving don't get me wrong, O'Reilly's a great wrestler, but I think he would be carrying that matchup. You know, just in terms of like experience and all that. Yeah, I mean, but like I say, I I hope you're right. I really do. Yeah. I just fear that they want to hot shot this kid off the card. Yeah. And with Kyle O'Reilly kind of being that guy in flux, I could see them just saying, eh, you guys hold the belts for a while and we'll kind of see. Yeah. I mean, I'd much rather see Imperium run it back with MSK, but that's just me. Yeah, I'd I'd love to see that. Yes. Uh, Next up is for the uh, singles matchup for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. We've got Roderick Strong taking on Joe Gacy. So we have to kind of clarify this because there was a storyline segment that happened last week on NXT. Okay. Where they've more or less waived the weight restriction. Yes. For Joe Gacy to wrestle Roderick Strong. Yes. Um, I'm going to say this. Joe Gacy's gimmick, whether you love it or hate it, is at least something new. And it's, it's some, brilliant. It's it's brilliant. It's just because it's fresh. It's not the yeah. same old nonsense. They're running with it. And I know that we're being personally biased because we know Joe. Yeah. So I'm happy to see him get on the screen and really do something with his character. And especially he's with Harland, who uh-huh. also follows us all on Twitter, which yeah. is awesome. This is true. So I'm going to say this. As, as much as it sounds weird to do, I'm going to say Gacy wins. I'm going to say the same thing uh, because obviously I think Diamond Mine you know, is going to come out and shenanigans you know, just because Roderick is the heel in this scenario. Mm-hmm. you know. But I think uh, Gacy is going to have a little backup in the monster in waiting that is uh, Harland. You know, so you're going to get shenanigans. So I think Joe Gacy is going to win to become your and new NXT Cruiserweight Championship. And I think what's going to happen, and I will die laughing if this ends up happening, uh, on the following NXT 2.0, he will change the name from NXT Cruiserweight Championship to the NXT Openweight Championship because Joe Gacy is all-inclusive. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You need to tweet that out after the show. I, I will. Do not hesitate and tag Joe in that, too. I will. Oh, my God. That's that's brilliant. I had, I had that idea driving in the car the other day. I'm like, oh, my God, that would be incredible. Do it. Tag everybody. Pad, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, though, too. I think I think we're going to see Harlan tear through the entire diamond mine. Because I, I think it'll be good to give – listen, Roderick doesn't need the rub. Roderick's already well-established with his repertoire and everything from the Indies coming in. 
Joe, I think it gives Joe the rub if you have the spot that I think is inevitably going to happen with Diamond Mine, you know, and then Harland. It gives Harland a rub at the same time, and then you can go from there and have some fun with the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. So make it happen. I'm down for this. All for it. Yeah, and then our final match is the uh, men's war game match. So you've got uh, Team Old School versus Team New School. So Old School is the NXT Old Hands in Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunne, and LA Knight, although... Kind of new, but eh, whatever. Uh, and then Team New School is Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, and Tony D'Angelo. So, one first, if we don't hear the DIY da, theme, da, da. I'm going to be so pissed on stream, it's not even going to be funny. Rich is already bracing for it, because if I hear DIY's theme, uh, I know Mike C might actually come running down <laughs> to the studio and sing, because that that is a personal anthem. Yes greatest wrestling theme of all time yes uh but this whole story this is kind of the temp in the room with nxt and i think that they're doing a lot of good things with this i understand the internet is kind of having a field day with johnny gargano signing the week extension so we can finish out yeah listen we don't like to get into too much speculation we can guess as fans sure if this is it It'll be interesting to see how he, he leaves, but I could also see him staying put, though, because he is a focal piece of NXT. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if he does end up leaving, hell of a match to go out on. Yes. Goddamn. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think that he could be the guy that loses, and then maybe that's how they write him off. Because I can see Braun Breaker is going to have a star-making performance. If you're not yeah. on board with him, he's going to be in the Royal Rumble this year. Uh, I give him a 33 and a third percent chance to be in the Rumble. Yes, as you should, because that kid is a star. Oh, my God, yeah. He is, it's insane. If you want to talk about guys that have or wrestlers who have really taken advantage of this NXT 2.0, Mandy Rose and Braun Breaker are the two breakout stars. No and pun if intended. I read correctly, he hasn't been wrestling all that long. No, he hasn't. It's he, insane. He's a prodigy. It is crazy, obviously, with the family. Holy fuck, yeah. No, so I went to his Wikipedia page. He debuted in professional, according to Wikipedia, he debuted in professional wrestling on October 8th, 2020, in Ringgold, Georgia, at the Russell Jam 8 event, promoted by AWF slash WOW, defeating Jamie Hall. Holy fuck, he hasn't, he's been wrestling a year. Yeah, he's he's that good. What the fuck? Well, when you're... Your family line is the Steiner brothers. Scott the, and Rick Steiner, yeah. One of the greatest tag teams of all time, and... Let alone, he sounds like his Uncle Scott, which is scary. Yeah, he does. It's scary how much he sounds like him. The kid has just, he's printing money, folks. It's just a matter of time when they want to cash in on him. Oh, yeah. I could see them winning this one, too. Um, But it really depends on what you want to establish with NXT. I'm going to say it's team old school. Just say, hey, we're not dead yet. You can't get rid of us yet. We're still here to play. Well, you know with Ciampa and you know with Gargano, gonna they're going to be crazy shit. They're going to do something wild. They are not afraid to take it somewhere and really do something. I will say this, though. Carmelo Hayes yeah. could steal the show. Though. Oh, easily. And I think with Champ and Gargano, if we don't get the DIY theme, which I agree with you, it would be a travesty if we don't hear it, you will absolutely see the DIY finisher. Oh, yeah. You will uh, book that lock-solid, you know, stone-cold lock. That is going to happen. Yeah, you're going to see that. And that's what they need to do. I mean, if this, if this is really going to be the Gargano swan song, yeah, they got to finish out like that. Uh-huh. That's an absolute must. They're going to have to. But... I'm going to tell you this. I don't. I don't doubt we see Braun Breaker get over. I, I could see him winning it for the team, but this will also dictate the tempo of where NXT is going to go, and if they're really going to start pushing a lot of this young talent. Which I'm not saying they shouldn't. I think it might be a little too much too soon. Yeah, that's my only fear with this. But yeah. I'm not in that position to make those calls. A lot of stuff going on this weekend too, but that's going to be kind of capping off the weekend because, as we discussed on 607 TWS. 
GCW is running crazy this week. Uh huh. There is AAA is running too. Yep. There is a lot of independent shows going on. Excite Wrestling, which we'll get into at the one shot or slash running the bases segment. Yep. But there is a lot of storylines that are going into this too. Plus, AEW has a very solid dynamite. Yeah. And I will say, for what they're doing now, I know Pat is not on board, but obviously we've had the CM Punk versus MJF round one. Yes. Which, I'm sorry, you can watch on YouTube. MJF won that battle. And the match I'm going to really highlight too and say everybody should check out from AEW this week is CM Punk versus Lee Moriarty. Okay. That's going down Wednesday. If you're not familiar with Lee Moriarty, he was one of the hottest independent wrestlers before he signed with AEW. He's now getting a, time, a chance to really get on primetime. You're going to be absolutely blown away by him, guarantee you. Unfortunately, I think he's going to lose to Punk. Probably. But, you know, it is what it is. It's reasons, but you should still definitely check it out. And then do we even want to address all the crazy promos that were going on on Monday Night Raw? I mean, I get why they're doing it. They're trying to do a little bit more shoot promos or trying to, you know, oh, it's, it's you know, it's let's face it, it's a work. You know, it's scripted. You know, it creates with some great moments and, ooh, the fun moments that, you know, it is what it is. I will say this, though. I was not a fan of them mentioning the releases. Yeah. That was not something yeah. I was really cool with. Yeah. Because I don't think it's a laughing matter. No. I know we've kind of gotten to this desensitized. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find, like, the right word for it, but that's how it feels. Sure. Because WWE has released so many people that it's kind of like, what now? Okay, who this week? And that shouldn't be the case. No. But it is a little shocking, and like I say, I was not a huge fan of them doing that. I was surprised, I will say, that they referenced the MJF promo yeah. with, with Edge. I was surprised. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying completely like, you know, oh, my God, like the sky is falling. Like, why are they even talking about him? Obviously, we know Edge is friends with Christian, oh, yeah. and obviously they're all friends with a lot of people at AEW. I was just really surprised to see that on WWE TV. I thought they were. No, I never expected them to say AEW much in the way Daniel Bryan mentioned WrestleMania a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But I figured that they would mention it in some capacity. But I didn't think they'd go so far as to say your name's getting mentioned on other shows. Yeah, uh, that was like that's about as close to the line as you can get, and the line being saying AEW on WWE, which I know has happened before, but I don't think in this day and age it's going to happen. No, I, I would strongly doubt it, but you never know. Like, Vince does not care about AEW. I mean, we've already established that. Yeah. He really does not care. Yeah. So, just for a fan point of view, because I, I know they like treating him, you know, persona non grata. Yeah. Just the fact that Edge did that, I was like, okay, that's a little interesting. I'll say the thing I do like they've done is giving uh, Austin Theory some backstage time with Vince. Yeah. That's, that's I th- listen, I like Austin Theory. He's a great wrestler. I think that's great for his uh, main roster career. Huge sign of faith in him being an up-and-coming player on WWE. There is a lot of stuff going on this week for WWE, NXT, GCW. Can't put that over enough, too, this weekend. they got a lot of great events going on Fight.TV. And they just sold out the Hammerstein Ballroom. Damn. Which they're going to do a bigger attendance than they did for ECW One Night Stand. Holy fuck, that was jammed. Yeah, we're talking 2,000 plus. Yo. So that show is going to be going down in January. Listen, if you're not on board with independent wrestling and you're tuned off from what they're doing on WWE and AEW, that's a prime place to go check it out. If you want a deeper dive about that, 607TWS is out on podcast form right now on its own channel. Just type in hashtag 607TWS or just look for us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash 607podcast. I know we're going to be doing some live reacting to war games because, well, let's face it, it's war games. Yes. We don't miss war games for anything. So you know the deal by now. 
Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your predictions for all the wrestling events this weekend? And what's your temp in the room for everything going on, WWE, AEW, and all that more? We like to talk to wrestling here on the ODPH, so hit us up, let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Chris from the Geek P Podcast here with my two co-hosts, Trent. What up? And Brandon. Yo, yo. Here at the Geek Peak, we strive to provide you the best content from all across the pop culture multiverse. Think of us as your content concierge, seeking out all the best movies, TV, games, and music to save your valuable time. We have a different adult beverage every week, and we like to keep things light and fresh, so come hang out with us. So check us out on all your favorite podcasting platforms. That's Geek Peak. Like a mountain! And check out our site at geekpeakpod.com. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we got to talk some baseball. Yeah, we do. Because there is a lot of free agency going on. Pad wants to talk about it. Yeah. I, I'm trying to wrap my head around these numbers, and I can't. It's fucking insane. So break it down for us, Pad. Yeah, so typically, you know, once the offseason starts, it's like a slow trickle and then kind of like a steady stream and then an exploding waterfall. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not like in the NFL or in the NBA where, like, you have a, a start time and things go absolutely fucking nuts at the start time. However, not the case this year, and I'll get to why in just a minute. You've had an absolute bevy of you know mega deals and a lot of years and a lot of money handed out the last 48 hours 72 hours whatever you want to say you know that's just been absolutely insane so we're going to go through some of those and react to some of those and then get to why all of this is happening the way it is in just a minute uh the biggest of which and obviously the biggest i'd say you know chess piece on the board uh, was Max Scherzer, uh, who was the star right-hander who pitched for Washington. He pitched for the Dodgers, you know, signed a three-year, $130 million deal. Get out of here. To uh, pitch for the New York Mets. He does have an opt-out after the second season of the deal, according to uh, ESPN. Uh, that gives him an annual average salary of $43.33 million, which broke the record set by Garrett Cole all of like a year ago or two years ago uh which was 36 million dollars you know it's just absolutely insane that dollar amount those years i get mets fans are happy and hey you should be happy you have degrom and max scherzer which are two of the best pitchers in baseball right now if they can stay healthy that's the biggest issue will it work i don't know we'll see but i think the fact that you're giving a man 40 million plus dollars a year to pitch is absolute insanity and i get that some people are well why would he go to new york he didn't want to go to an east coast team in at the trade deadline that's because it was the trade deadline and he knew it was for a two-month rental and that it didn't matter you know i the rumors and from what i've heard is one of the factors for new york is that they train in the spring in port st Lucie, which he lives in jupiter florida from what i understand jupiter to port st Lucie, florida is a all of a half hour drive so i can understand it being real enticing rather than having to up your your family and your living from one part of the country to the other and putting that off for a couple more months and just staying at home eating at home and living at home i can understand that how old is scherzer uh, he is 30 in his 30s. Let me pull it up here in a minute. He's in, he's in his mid to late 30s. You're asking a lot. 37. From a 37-year-old. So when this contract is done, he'll be 40. Uh, yes, unless he opts out uh, in, after two years, in which case he'll, oh. be 30, he'll be 39. Oh, he's not opting out. The fact that he's getting, what, $45 million Round a up, season, yes. give, t- give take. No, that man came for the money. The Mets overpaid. They got their guy. Oh, yeah. 
and he is the smartest businessman in the room because he fleeced them. I'm sorry, Mets fans. Listen, I don't actually hate you. I really don't. I don't have a problem with the Mets. But this contract is overpaying to make a splash by far and away. No pitcher, especially at his age, is worth 45 mil a year for three years. Well, you know, I got that deal. His agent, Scott Boris. Oh, yeah. Well, this is Scott Boris written all over it. It was either Boris or Rosenhaus. Like, there's the only two agents we able to pull that off of Boris. I, I sense that. And listen, I'm not mad at him about getting his money. No. But I am saying for the Mets. You overpaid. You overpaid. And I and I get new owner, new GM. You had to show that the old ways, you know, of the past are gone. Because let's face it, the Mets, by and large, have been a little shy when it comes to free agent signings because they've either been bust or, well, bust. Uh, hello, Bobby Bonilla. You're mm-hmm. still paying for that shit. That's the greatest contract of all time. Uh, no, Ichiro is. Uh, he's got the same type of deal, but his is with interest. Ooh. He's got he's got a backloaded deal, with, but his is with interest. So no, Ichiro is smarter. Um, but no, you've got the whole Bobby Bonilla thing. You've got the Carlos Beltran thing, which blew up in their face. Mm-hmm. Jason Bay blew up in their face. You know, so every time the Wilpons would dip their toe into the free agent market, it'd blow up in their face, and they wouldn't do it again for a couple of years. So I get you know the new owner, the new GM, wanting to make a splash and show the fan base, hey, we're not the same team we were before, but. Christ Almighty, you didn't have to do it this way. Well, the problem with the past management is they did not realize what they had as a ballpark. Yeah. Their ballpark is not hitter-friendly. Yeah. So the fact you go get guys that are tearing it up in small ballparks, Uh that plays a big factor when they come to your cavern that is just wide and gaping. Yeah. You're not going to be putting up the same numbers. Pitching-wise, yeah, it's very friendly, but still, you have to look at from this angle. I understand you compete with the New York Yankees for the back of the New York Post and the New York Daily News, the, yeah. the tabloids. Listen, I get that. But making a splash like this is good and bad because, well, one, it tells players that you're not afraid to spend money. Yeah. That's a good sign, obviously, for baseball because, let's face it, the dollar makes the world go round there. This is true. But it's bad for dumping a lot of money for a short-term investment, and are the Mets really ready to win now? That's the argument I have. If people can stay healthy, maybe. Because let's face it, right, but outside of the Braves, you know, who won the World Series, you gotta give the Braves their due. There's nobody really else in that division that I can go, that's the team to win the division. Even the Braves, I'm like, okay, you won the division, but that's because the rest of the division sucks. Well, that's the whole point. Are the Mets really winning ready to win now? Because if they're ready today, like they're just one player away, Pat, then I'd say, okay, I get it. No, they're not though. That's the problem. But I understand that they want to try competing with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. This was all it was. It was a PR move. Yeah. It works because it's going to tell players, hey, we're not afraid to spend money. So come to New York. It's bad, though, if you're going to dump a ton of money and just light it on fire because you're not progressing forward with it. And they're going to be burning a lot of money because, as has been broken down by MLB on Fox, uh, the Mets will be paying Max Scherzer $82 a minute, $5,000 an hour, $235,000 an inning, $58,000 uh per at bat for Battersea faces and then $3.6 million a month. Yeah. It's, it's crazy economics. Oh, by the way, Max Scherzer is going to be making more, uh, being paid more, uh, than the Pittsburgh pirates and Baltimore Orioles do for their entire teams. Yeah. The Pittsburgh pirates payroll is $40 million. Baltimore Orioles is $37 million. Max Scherzer is, uh, 43.3. Exactly. Baseball is absolutely corrupt about their money, in my opinion. Like, it's just 
the economics, they need a salary cap. I know the owners will never go for it, but... It ain't normally this bad, and again, why it's this bad, I'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Uh, but, I no, I do tend to agree with you. Uh, the other big deal we got to talk about is one that went down today as we record. Uh, the T- Detroit Tigers have agreed to sign uh, Javier Baez, the all-star uh, shortstop who played with the Cubs and the Mets, uh, for a six-year, $140 million deal. Which, okay, he's a decent player. He also strikes out like 400 times a year. Yeah, I was going to say. 400 times a year. But here's the kicker. There's an opt-out clause after the second season, according to uh, Ken Rosenthal. What the fuck? Like, you? I'm sorry. If I'm negotiating a deal for a guy six years, $140 million, I'm not giving the motherfucker an opt-out after two years. You paid for a rental player. Yeah, you did, because he's absolutely opting out after two. Yeah, this was a waste of money. Sorry, Detroit. You're rebuilding. You're not ready to win now. Yeah, I mean, the thing you're going to notice with a lot of these teams that are signing them is they're all sub-500 or or didn't make the playoffs or both. Yeah, this is absolutely asinine. I don't. It's the same deal. You try to tell your fan base you're not afraid to spend money, but but why, like, why are you just throwing money in the, in the dumpster? I mean, let's not forget Detroit had a phenomenal fucking starting rotation a couple of years ago or about a decade ago where it was David Price in his prime. Mm-hmm. Scherzer... Justin Verlander and somebody I forget who the fourth one was that I've looked back and I go holy fuck that's an awesome rotation how did they not win anything exactly it's Detroit they they spend all this money they might not win anything no they're not gonna unfortunately not and like Detroit deserves a win they deserve to make a deep yeah. run this is just not not gonna make a lot of sense especially the two year opt out clause this is just foolish oh it's it's asinine you you're gonna tell me that he's gonna stick around for that no he's gonna no. take off because he's gonna be, like here's one of two things you're either gonna sign because you want to get paid. And they're going to rework the deal, which you're hoping on, or you're going to take off that you think you get money elsewhere. He's going to take. He's going to take off because I'm sorry, Detroit is okay. They're not great. You know, no. they're, they're not. They're not going to make any sort of run for the playoffs. No. So this is a waste of time and money. So yep. congratulations. Throw more money in the dumpster. Yep. Uh, next up is this is probably the only deal that has been made thus far as of this recording that makes sense to me. Uh, and that is, and I know some people I was talking to last night thought I was nuts. Uh, but this is Corey Seager, uh, who was with the LA Dodgers, uh, the last couple of years, a shortstop signing with the Texas Rangers for a 10 year, $325 million deal. Now, a lot of money, but you got in 10 years is a long time, but he's also 26. He turns 27, uh, in April. You know, so you're getting him, you know, for the bulk of his, the greatest years of his career. So this might not pay off now, but build the team, get some other players around him, get a starting rotation and what have you. You might have a contender here. This move makes a lot of sense for Texas. Yeah. And like I say, I'm usually against the 10-year deal. I don't like going more than seven if I was sure. playing a GM. But you're getting a guy going right into his prime. He's done everything he can with the Dodgers. Yeah. It's crazy L.A. let him go. Oh, yeah, but also the dollar amount. Yeah, I can see that. But that's the thing. If teams are willing to overpay for players, it's a buyer's market. It's not really a seller's. Mm-hmm. And for Seager, this move makes a lot of sense. Like I say, anytime you talk about 10-year and $300 million, I get A-Rod vibes. Yeah. And I get a little jumpy. Not and that's, wrong. But this this player, though, I think it will match up pretty well in Texas. Texas is a very he- friendly hitter's park. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I think he'll put, up solid, too. he'll put up solid numbers. Yeah. I just, you know, you have to wonder about, like, are they ready to make a playoff run now? I don't know. Like, but there's more upside to this move than there is oh, anybody absolutely, else. Oh, absolutely. Like, I agree with you. I mean, no, this makes a lot of sense for his age and signing that 10-year deal. Yeah. If there's an opt-out later you can do, sure, that's even better. 
I just, you know, it's just kind of gets a little crazy about like how much you got to forward end to back end. Yeah. But still, I think signing Seager to that deal, that definitely helps Texas out huge. Mm-hmm. So have to wait to see how this all plays out. But I like that move. I'm going to say that's the best move, though, thus far. Yeah. Another move the Texas Rangers made was they signed infielder Marcus Simeon uh, to a seven-year, $175 million deal. A lot of years, too many in my opinion, and way too much goddamn money. Uh, works out great for him uh, just because he had previously played with the Oakland Athletics and he really didn't have a great 2020 season with them. Took a bet on himself, though. Uh, played, uh, Took a one-year deal with the Toronto Blue Jays uh, You know, last season. Hoped to build himself back up, get the numbers a little bit better, and improve his free agency offerings. And, well, he did. He had a great season, you know, 45 home runs. You know, and he broke, uh, you know, uh, the Blue Jays' Brian Dozier record for home runs by a second baseman. Mm. You know, so that was, that was good for him. So, I mean, it definitely gives uh, the Rangers one of the better infields, I'll say, between – you know, between Simeon and then, uh, you know, the gentleman we just we just mentioned, you know. Seager. Seager, thank you. That's a second base and shortstop. That's pretty damn good, I got to say. But no. a lot of years and a lot of money. A lot of years, a lot of money. Uh, way too many, in my opinion, for Simeon. But, you know, yeah. I, I'm not mad. Like, it, it makes sense because Texas wants to make a big splash. Getting Simeon there, that definitely helps. Yeah. Like, Simeon can definitely make some stuff happen for him. I just think it's a lot of money and, and just maybe a couple of years too much. Yeah. But listen, if it pans out, I'll be eating my words. Yeah. Uh, also sticking with Texas, they had signed uh, pitcher John Gray to a four-year, $56 million Jeez. deal. Where'd uh, they get all this money from? I, good Lord, I have no goddamn idea. Uh, he Gray is 30 years old. He spent his all, entire career with the Colorado Rockies. He was drafted in the 2013 uh, MLB draft. Uh, he had, for his career, <laughs> no, this is where, like the years, I'm like, eh, all right, four-year for a pitcher in the 30s, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. The dollar amount I don't agree with, especially since he has a 4.59 ERA, uh, and then oh, this is over 829 in the third innings for his career. Sorry, that's not like $175 million worth. Yeah. No, just not, way too much money. Way too much. Way too much money. Uh, and then this should be like the headline number one, you know, are a story because it's a Cy Young award winner moving teams, but because of all the insanity, it's moved to page like two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is Robbie Ray uh, joining the Seattle Mariners, finalize, uh, uh, finalizing a five-year, $115 million <sighs> contract with an opt-out after the third season. A lot of money, a lot of years, but listen, Seattle ain't made the playoffs since like 2001. I understand them going out and spending money. You know, and kudos to them for snagging the AL Cy Young Award winner. So the dollar amount I get, the years I'm okay with, but still a bit of a reach in my opinion. He went for the money. He didn't go to win a championship. This is true. Hello, Robinson Cano. Yep, Robinson Cano, Zach Gernke. I get it. Yeah, like, listen, I'm not mad at you. Grinky used to say all the time he went because of the money. Uh-huh. I'm not mad at, like, Ray. I mean, but granted, I'm not going to see him in the postseason because, let's face it, Seattle, pff, that's where careers usually go to uh, fade away into the sunset. Uh-huh. So I'm not expecting anything to happen from this move. I know they really wanted to push the envelope and maybe say, hey, we can get people here, but sorry, Seattle, yeah. is, it's never worked out when they've spent money. It no. never has. No. Hello, Robinson Cano. Yep. Uh, next up, you've got the Toronto Blue Jays uh, signing right-hander Kevin uh, Gossman on a five-year, $110 million contract. A lot of money. I'm all right with the year. Years isn't that bad. Uh, I'll say this. Blue Jays, because I forget who all they have. I was looking at their rotation. Blue Jays' rotation is going to be a problem the next couple of years if you're a fan of an AL East team. Yeah, they're good. They, yeah. This is a smart move. A little too much money, in my opinion, but I get it. Yeah. Because, obviously, when you lose a Cy Young winner, you have to go out and get some kind of equal value. Uh-huh. 
Hard to say if uh, you know Gausman is the guy, but listen, I think he was the next best available because there's no chance he was getting Scherzer up there. No, no, there's no way in hell. I know they tried, but there was no way. Uh, next, I'm going back to the Mets. Uh, their first move of the offseason was they signed a center fielder Starling Marte to a four-year, seventy-eight million dollar deal. Way too much, especially since he's thirty-three years old. You know, way too much. way too much money. You know. He's got two Gold Glove awards, but yeah, way too much money. Uh, they also signed infielder uh, Eduardo Escobar uh, to a two-year, two twenty-six point five million dollar deal. Ugh, just no, just don't agree. I with like they're decent players, but for the money, no. You're trying to make a splash. I get it, but still, value over money. Like, yeah, you're not getting your money's worth. You're getting taken. Yep. In my opinion. No, I agree 100%. Uh, also, you had uh, Justin Verlander, we should note, re-up with the uh, Houston Astros, signed a one-year deal. He's got a player option for year two, so hey, good for him. Uh, so, and then just some other ones uh, worth mentioning, you know, just to go down the list. You had Steven Matz signed a four-year deal. Uh, he was with the Toronto Blue Jays previously. He's now going to the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Corey Kluber, who had his one season with the New York Yankees, signed a one-year deal with the uh Tampa Bay race, mm. you know, just in a couple others, but nothing really, you know, jumping out, you know, so there's still a bunch of players on the board. Still, you've got Jock Peterson, uh, Joe Kelly, uh, Tommy Pham, you know, just to name a few. Kyle Seeger's still on the board. I know uh, Michael Pineda, if anyone's interested in that, that train wreck, hey. still on the board. Nelson Cruz is available. Kyle Schwarber is still available. You know, there's still a lot of players on the board. You know, uh, Anthony Rizzo is available. You've also got uh, Freddie Freeman, Chris Bryant still available, but you've got a bunch of deals done early. And you f- and folks might be sitting there going, why the hell are there so many deals been getting done early? Because I forget what the number is, but like last offseason, the first like mega deal of like upwards of like 20 plus million or whatever it was a year wasn't signed until January. Mm. And the reason being is we're staring down the barrel, you know, starting on I think it's like Wednesday night at midnight. Or some like so. I don't think it's mid. I don't think it's midnight on the thirtieth. I think it's midnight on the first. It's one of the next. It's like the next day or two. Uh, we're staring down the barrel of a major MLB lockout uh, because this the CBA is running out, and you've got uh, you know the two sides between you know the players and then the owners at a bit of a standstill. And you know, reading from an article on ESPN.com, courtesy of Jeff Passan, if you've got ESPN Plus, I recommend you check it out because he answers 20 questions very well. You know, uh, he says, quote, uh, this, where do things stand? The same place they've stood for months, going nowhere fast. Both the league and union uh, believe in the strength of their positions. Neither side is willing to budge. Thus, the only chance at a deal is the 11th hour Hail Mary. Uh, you know, it, so you might be wondering what's on the table. Jeff does say, uh, not a whole lot yet, which is frustrating for all involved. The two sides have made their positions clear. The players want bigger paydays earlier in their careers, more competitive integrity, no service time manipulation, and fewer artificial restraints on players via the competitive balance tax, CBT. In draft pick compensation among the league's objectives, a static amount of spending on players, expanded playoffs, and international draft and on-field changes. Uh, so basically, it, it, it's nothing really outrageous. You know, they basically want to raise the minimum salary for what a player can get paid. Not outrageous. They want a universal designated hitter, which Christ Almighty needs to. Yeah, f- I'm good with that. Needs but... to fucking happen. I'm sorry. Like, if you've got, I remember very vividly when Jabba Chamberlain was with the Yankees. They were going to play in Pittsburgh to play the Pirates, mm-hmm. and and they asked, "Oh, are you excited to hit? You don't get to hit that often." He goes, "Yeah, I haven't uh, really hit a baseball since I was in junior high." I'm sorry. I don't care about 
old-fashioned or traditions or that's how it used to be. If I got a pitcher who hasn't hit a fucking baseball and hasn't run the bases since he was in junior high, Mm -hmm. I don't want him anywhere near a base path. Especially if it's one of my star pitchers or one of my star relievers. I'll watch Ming Wong when he was with the Yankees and, and tore his knee in Houston when they were still in the National League. Yeah. Just don't want it. No. No, there's no need for it. I mean, I get a little cringeworthy when I hear about lockouts for baseball yeah. because, in my opinion, players are way, way overpaid for what they're doing. Yeah. They definitely need a salary cap. It's never going to happen. But listen, I'm okay about getting the universal DH. Yeah, universal DH. They want an NBA style draft lottery. You know, could you know draft lottery could incentivize teams against tanking because let's face it, that has been a thing in baseball it, for a lot of years. It absolutely has. But he, but the thing is, it's weird because with how drafts are done in baseball and compared to the other major sports, yeah, they're not exactly on the same level. No, like that's the whole thing. You have a whole minor league system. Yeah. NBA has the D League. Um, we have the AHL yeah. and you know for yeah. hockey. Yeah. And obviously minor league baseball and but the NFL doesn't. The NFL just has college. Like it's so weird of the setup. Like I, I can understand they want to do it to try tanking. Listen, if it gets more competitiveness out of them without adding more teams to playoffs, sure. I'm okay with it. Sure. But well, I and, and I get the no service time manipulation. That is already absurd in and of itself without getting too long and too complicated into it. You will a lot of times see players get called up from the from the minors for all of like not even a week mm-hmm. and then get sent back down almost immediately so it gives no time for their service you know so that the team doesn't have to it doesn't start the clock on them having to pay them more sooner right it, it's just absurd so we'll see what gets done but for all intents and purposes as of this recording no deal has been done you know i know they met today for all the half hour which doesn't sound good but when you're at where they are and you're not in the negotiation phase, you're just present, you know, you're just essentially presenting contracts back and forth. There's really not much to discuss. Right. So for all, it looks like, you know, we're going to be in a lockout. So, you know, what happens at that point? Well, that's the reason all of these deals are getting done now is so that what, because once the lockout starts, you can't do shit, right? You can't sign a guy. You can't trade a guy. You can't do nothing, you know, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, it's going to be very interesting. I know a lot of Yankees fans are like, why aren't the Yankees making any deals? Look at the dollars in the years. You think they're going to want to go near any of those Albatross contracts? Hell no. You think they're going to want to sign again? Listen, I w- would have loved to see Scherzer in New York, but I'm not willing to sign Scherzer for a three-year, hundred-plus million-dollar deal if he's going to leave me after two years. No. Absolutely not. It's asinine to do it. The only thing we got to worry about is Yankee fans is signing up Aaron Judge. This is true. That's, that's coming up. That's it. Ooh. Anything else I'm not, I you don't know, care about. It would have been great to have Javier Baez. Strikeouts are a lot. But, again, six-year, $140 million if he's going to leave me after two? Fuck no. It makes no sense. All of these contracts, with the exception with the exception of, of Seager. Seager's the only one that I go, that makes sense. The rest of these are bloated, inflated albatrosses that might come back to bite the teams in the ass down the road if the player, the some of them don't have opt-outs. You know, and I just not comfortable paying that much money for a guy who might leave after a couple of years. I'm with you. I mean, the only thing that won to me, in my opinion, and I, I'm putting an asterisk by it, is Texas. Sure. Seager deal makes a lot of sense. Simeon, wait and see. Yeah. But they weren't, but those deals make more sense than Scherzer. Oh, yeah. Scherzer's great, and it gives the Mets a great one two punch, but that's if they can stay healthy. Yeah, but can you actually hit the ball? I mean, that's been the only uh, thing that's been a knock on you guys for how many yeah. years? I mean, you got Pete Alonso, but after that, it's like, who else you got? Uh huh. Sorry, it's just facts, folks. Definitely a lot of interesting moves going on in the free agency thing. Pat will be tweeting about it, too, at Muslin on Twitter, and obviously we'll be resharing that as well because there's a lot of moves going on, and who knows what could happen when the lockout goes down. This is the crazy thing about baseball and economics. It's a weird dance party, so definitely get your shoes ready. 
So that being said, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about the MLB free agency thus far? Who won, who lost, and why? Let's talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to talk some local minute. What you got, Pat? Yeah, I got to talk some Binghamton Black Bears hockey. Uh, as we recorded, they are currently in third place uh, behind Watertown and Danbury. Watertown's in first place with a record of eight and two. Danbury in second place with a record of seven, three, and uh, one. Uh, and then Binghamton is in third place with a record of seven and four. Uh, looking at how they did this past week, uh, they had a uh, game on uh, Wednesday, November twenty fourth, where they lost by the final score of five to two against uh, Danbury. Then they had uh, they won a game against Delaware by the final score of five to three, and then they won another game against Delaware by the final score of five to four. Looking at their schedule, they got coming up uh, this week. They've got a home game on Saturday, uh, December fourth, uh, game time at seven o'clock, uh, and then their next game isn't until Friday, December tenth, where they are on the road in uh, Columbus playing the River Dragons. Uh, their next home game won't be until Saturday, December eighteenth. Uh, so you definitely want to definitely. If you're in the area, you want to get out and check them because I've heard from a coworker. If you like the movie Slapshot, you'll enjoy this type mm. of hockey. Uh, had a buddy coworker go to a game uh, the other night where I'm trying to find the score. Yeah, they won, but they won. So I had a buddy go to the game on Friday, November 19th, where they played Port Huron. They won eight to one. Wow. Uh, and they had something like 60 shots on goal or something uh, absurd like that. Three. They were cross checking and aiming for heads. Uh, I believe that at that fight, stage fighting like there was a goddamn boxing match taking place in the rink. Uh, so like I said, if you enjoy the movie, it was said to me, if you enjoy the movie Slapshot, you'll enjoy this type of hockey. Sounds like my kind of hockey. Definitely have to go check that out. Yeah, uh, more information and details, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. So there's also some bulldog action going on this past week. Uh, unfortunately, they're on back-to-back uh, losses, though. Uh, as we talked about, uh, Saturday the 20th, they lost to the Garden State Warriors 117 to 106, and they lost to the Steel Jacket or Steel City Yellow Jackets this past Saturday the 27th, 96 to 95. Yikes! Defense optional. Yes. Yeah, so unfortunately, they have taken a slip down the rankings. Uh, so now in the uh, national rankings for the ABA, they are currently at 20th, a record of mm. five and two, and they're also in the Northeast region. They took a slip to number five, being five and two as well. All right. So there is going to be some bulldog action going on. Back-to-back home games happening Friday, December 3rd, against the Northeast Pennsylvania Stars and Stripes, and Saturday, December 4th, against the Camden Monarchs. More information about all of that, BinghamtonBulldogs.com or their Facebook page as well. And lastly... Mm-hmm. We got a big, exciting wrestling show this week. Yeah, we do. So this Saturday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, doors, or the show starts. Doors open at 5 o'clock at the X if you're living locally. It's Excite Fight Club. So this is my favorite card of the year. Yes. Uh, I always think the Moose and the team always put on one of the most, sometimes it's the underrated card of the year. They always kind of have the best matches, though. For whatever reason, they always kind of really jump out and stand out at the show. So this one is going to be definitely one to remember. Uh, there's a lot going on. Ash Aubrey is taking on Keenan Moore, so that should be a fun opening contest. Tag team grudge match, high seas against the Frat Stars. Oh, so, all right. So who knows what's going to happen. 
Rob Cook's retirement match. Yeah. So this is going to be a little crazy to see, Rob. If if you've been going to Excite since day one, we talk about the pillars of AEW. Yes. I mean, he's got to be in the Mount Rushmore of Excite Wrestling with Nick Napoleon, Axel Lennox, and Joe Gacy. Uh, based off of Johnny Moose's post on Facebook where when he first met Rob, you know, Rob told him, you go anywhere, I will follow you. I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, no, Rob has always been a staple at Excite. We do know him uh, a little bit outside of the ring. We've always talked to good. He's a good guy. He's, he's a good guy. Big Rangers fan, too. Yeah, he is. So, yeah. So, I know when he, when he did his heel turn, I was like, how could you do this? He's looked like a, a Devils fan. He just kind of looked at me like, don't do this. Don't don't make me great character. <laughs> so, no, but, I mean, it's going to be sad to see him go if this is the actual retirement. Because in wrestling, you never know when it's going to be actually the real retirement. Uh, yeah, I, I, given the circumstances, I fit behind his supposed retirement. I'm going to believe him this time. I kind of believe him, too. But yeah. I think we'll see him at the X sooner than later in some kind of other capacity. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a run-in, you know, every once in a blue moon. But as of regular appearances for wrestling, I think he's done. Yes, and it sounds like the match is going to be a battle royal of some sort. Yes. So that'll be some a uh, nice way to send him off into his post-wrestling career. Uh, also, we have some visitors coming to the X, most notably All Elite Wrestling's Ethan Page. Now, oh. we're, we're friends with him. I mean, he's been through Excite many, many times. Killing it right now with American Top Team on AEW television. He's taking on Colin Delaney. Oh, all right. So that'll be a good match. Uh, that'll be fire. Then we also have coming back, and Rich was telling me this history about these two gentlemen from 2CW. Wow. Jay Freddy is taking on MLW's Davey Richards. Oh, okay. So we know Davey from Ring of Honor, yep. Impact. I mean, one half of the American Wolves at one point. And Jay was, and this has been a long time coming for the rematch here. Rich broke down it on 607 TWS. I can't do it justice because I unfortunately never saw this the first time around. But I'm definitely excited to go check out what the rematch is going to do after all this time. Also, two title matches to top off the card. The Excite International title is getting defended by new champion TJ Epics. If you haven't seen TJ go, TJ is an up-and-comer that you definitely want to keep your eyes on. Kid does solid work in the ring. And he's going to be put to the test because who's he taking on, Pad? The one and only Sean Carr. Yeah, I saw Sean at the gym the other day. Sean looking ready. Yeah, Sean is definitely looking ready to go. He's seen Sean on AEW Dark uh, not too long ago, too. So that'll be a fun match. That's probably going to be my match of the night. And then in the main event, we're doing a fatal four-way for the title. So it's champion Bill Collier okay. taking on Cade Lothbrook, okay. Brute Van Slyke, All right. and Vince Valor. Hey. So that should be a fun night of show or match at the X. So it'll be a fun show to definitely check out. If you got the chance to go to it in attendance, make sure to swing on over to the X. And if you can't, you're living out of town, you're living internationally, no problem. Twitch.tv. Slash Excite, spelled X-C-I-T-E, wrestling. You can watch the show on there. They stream it as it goes on live. So definitely excited to see what they're going to be doing at the X. I think we're going to be in attendance for that. So, right. so we'll kind of have to see because, like we touched upon earlier, this is an absolutely crazy week of pro wrestling. And there's a lot of GCW going yeah. on. There's AAA yeah. going on. NWA is happening as well. Um, I think no Ring of Honor is next week. There's so much going on; it's ridiculous, and we'll be streaming a lot too, live reacting. So, man, what a time to be a wrestling fan! Mm-hmm. So, let us round the bases and take the show home now, Pad. So, what you got? Yeah, gotta talk a little bit of golf, which is surprising for Ooh. me. For me, I know. Uh, but Tiger Woods made his first public comments uh, the other day, and also this morning uh, since his uh, accident back in, I believe it was like April or something like that. Yeah, uh, I want to say it was like March, April. Yeah, Mar- or uh, excuse me, back in February. Oh wow, that long? Yeah, doesn't feels uh, doesn't feel that long. Uh, so he was at this was at the Albany Golf Club, uh, which is the site of the Heroes World Challenge, which is an event he hosts for his foundation. Uh, he did an interview. 
interview I know with Golf Digest that uh, is online, I believe, but he also took uh, some, you know, he also addressed reporters and said, among other things, uh, quote, I'm lucky to be alive and also have a limp. Uh, you know, he was in the hospital for three weeks, as we remember, uh, as you might know, after the accident he had, he was in a hospital like bed for three months after that. Uh, and he said that it was 50, 50 as to whether part of his leg might be amputated. Oh, Jesus. Uh, he said, quote, this one's been much more difficult. Uh, the knee stuff was one thing. That's the various, or, uh, that's one level. Then the back with this right leg, it's hard to explain how difficult it is being immobile for three months just to lay there. I was just looking forward to getting outside. That was a goal of mine, especially for a person who lived his entire life outside. That was a goal. I transitioned from a wheelchair to crutches and now nothing. It's been a lot of hard work. Uh, he did, how close quote, he did, however, uh, say that the, he's still got a long way to go saying, quote, as far as playing at the tour level, I don't know when that's going to happen. Now I'll play around here or there a little hit and giggle. I can do something like that. The USGA suggested uh, play it forward, the tees. Uh, I really like that idea. I don't like the tees on the back. I like uh, play it forward. Come on, let's move it up. Let's move it up. Uh, to see some of my shots fall out of the sky a lot shorter than they used to is a, a little eye-opening. But at least I'm able to do it again. That's something uh, that for a while there, it did look like it. Uh, I was going to. Close quote. Uh, he, the one thing we should note, though, he did say uh, that likely all likelihood of him playing a full tour schedule uh, is uh, out the window, and he and he's okay with that. He said that he might pick and choose some events here and there and make an appearance, but as for him, you know, competing on a weekly basis for the. Uh, uh, PGA tour it, it likely done, which given his number of injuries and yeah. he just hasn't been able to come back and, and be the same tiger of old, you know, listen, I know he had the masters win a couple years ago, but you know, that was after a however long break and really hasn't won anything since, you know, and I get, he's been out with the injury and all that, but still, you know, I, I, so I wish him definitely well in his recovery. It's good to see him back playing again. And I'm glad he's, he's learning his uh, restrictions and what he can and can't do. And he's okay with that. Well, I mean, you have to. I mean, everything he's gone through with that car crash, you know, the fact that he's he's back now yeah. and doing what he can. I mean, that's it's truly a remarkable story. So, you know, it, it's good to see him back. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the biggest takeaway I think. I have. Yeah. So now we got to talk a little college football. Now we can't really do too much justice because Coach Duffy is not here, but we definitely can't ignore uh, two major hirings slash departures, if yes. you will. So we're just going to kind of talk about them pretty briefly. If you want a little more in-depth conversation with uh, the Notre Dame one, please, by all means, at CoachDuffy11 on Twitter. Do it at your own risk, though, right now. Tell them I sent you. All right, but let's break down. We got two moves that happened, Pat? Yeah, uh, so one of which was uh, Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley uh, leaving uh, Oklahoma and landing the job at USC. Uh, he said that it was a, called it a surreal, surreal moment. Uh, he was introduced uh, just today, I want to say, or no, last night, excuse, yesterday, excuse me. Uh, at, you know, he was at the uh, Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum uh, on Monday afternoon. He was introduced as the 18th head coach in USC football history, saying, quote, wow, is this real? Unbelievable. Uh, he looked behind him at the skyline. Uh, it's a surreal moment, to be honest. Uh, you know, so definitely could be a good move for them. We shall see. But the one that broke Coach Duffy's heart and definitely sent shockwaves across the uh, sporting landscape, Brian Kelly, uh, the head coach, former head coach of the Oregon Ducks, former head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, now former head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, uh, informed uh, 
Notre Dame athletic director uh, Jack uh, Swarbrick on Monday night that he would be leaving to become the new head coach of LSU. Uh, So this was shocking as all hell, I think, the world, because I don't think anybody ever foresaw him leaving uh, Notre Dame. Well, he'd been the longest, uh, most winningest head coach, I believe, in their history. Yeah, something like that. He'd been there for 12 years. He'd been there 12 years. Notre Dame, listen, all kidding aside to coach, is one of the most prestigious jobs in all of college football. Yeah. You don't exactly get up and leave. No. Let alone you're jumping into the LSU pool of the SEC. Yeah. Which is not exactly a walk in the park. You got to go up against Alabama. Uh, not to mention Arkansas, Auburn. You've got Florida, Georgia. You've got uh, Mississippi State's down there, Missouri, Ole Miss. You got South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas A&M. Vanderbilt's also down there. I mean, like I say, it's so crazy how ge- geography is working for this conference. Yeah. Because you're not getting just everybody. You're getting a lot of teams that are moving together for those power rankings. Yeah. Why you would want to leave Notre Dame to go there, it's about the money. Let's face it. Oh, it has to be, 100%. Because you had it made. You were a made guy in South Bend. Why would you want to take off? No, you're getting paid. Let's be honest about it. It's not about the prestige of going to LSU. No, no disrespect dollar, there. Dollar, dollar, bills, y'all. Yeah, but to get that money, it's like, you to and especially jumping into that pool, it's like, I'm sorry. It's a different world in the SEC than it is at Notre Dame. Uh-huh. And you're not exactly talking national championship each year. You've built a contender with Notre Dame. Why you would want to take off and hit the reset button. Yeah. Listen, I hope you enjoy your money. I hope it works out for you. I don't think it's going to, though. No. I think it's going to end very badly. And I'm not saying this supporting coach. I'm just saying looking at the litmus test, you had it made where you were to hit the reset button. Mm-hmm. And, and look at the competition you got to go face. It won't be easy. It, it won't be easy. So I don't know how this is going to pan out. As we were recording, there's no in, – no idea who they're going to get for a interim head coach. I know Lou Holtz was getting thrown on Twitter last night to the point where it was trending. I'm like, wait, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Yeah, I mean, everybody's kind of panicking because obviously Notre Dame is in a playoff position right now at yeah. number six, I believe, on the rankings. Yeah. So who knows what they're going to wind up doing? This is absolutely crazy. Yeah, I and saw Lou Holtz trending on Twitter last night. I'm like, wait, did he die? No, he's trending because people think he's going to be the interim coach for Notre Dame. I'm like, wait, what? No, stop. I, I don't know who they're going to get in. I, I think their offensive coordinator coach would be Duffy. the guy doing Oh, I know. Coach Duffy wants to very badly. Or he'll get Bill O'Brien. <laughs> you know, he's got that love affair with him. So maybe he'll leave Alabama and come coach for him. I believe he's the OC down there. I don't know. It's going to be a messy situation. I don't I, like. I say it was just kind of mind blowing that he would want to take off from from being a made man to hit the reset button. But then again, ninety five million dollars will do a lot of things to you. Uh huh. Can't be can't be too mad at you about that. So no. we'll have to wait and see. And maybe just maybe we'll get like uh, a paper airplane note in from Coach for his take. <laughs> you know, trying to get a hold of him right now. He's very inconsolable. He's just listened to a lot of sad music outside his house. Well, the fact that this all went down on his son's birthday. Yeah. Yikes. He's he's taking it very personally. The only thing worse if his new head coach shows up in a Brooklyn Nets jersey. Then you might see him go completely crazy. Yikes. Which we might be all right with. Like I say, from a distance. <laughs> I need to get that on tape if that happens. But let's close this show out the only way we know how, and that's locks and leaps. So after week 12 and the smoke is cleared, JT from the East Coast Avengers is increasing his lead and first place at 48 points, had almost a perfect week. Right behind him, though, rising out of the ashes, is our very own Padawan, Jay. Hey, yo. Only four points behind him. Joey from the So Wizard Podcast is at 43. 
Evan the Great has been quietly making a surge back to the top. Yeah. 39 points, so he's tied with Rich from 3FN. Yours truly is at 38. Did not have the best week last week, but still I maintain the tread water. Mac East and your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy is at 37. Jay West from the We Get Dub podcast is at 36. Mash from Hopskeeks has gone on a cold streak. Uh-oh. So, unfortunately, you got the big uh, donut this week, so you still at 33 points. JVD from the Villains of the Man podcast is at 31, and Brian Wayne from Cheers to Comics is coming up in last right now. Uh, he's actually at 32, so i got to fix that when we do the graphics. That all being said, Pad, who you got for Locks and Leaps this week? Uh, so, for my lot, listen, Locks and Leaps are fucking the awful. The Leaps are atrocious. They're fucking awful this week. So, for my lock, I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs. We're currently favored by 10 points against the Denver Broncos. Uh, listen, Kansas City, bit of a resurgence right now. Denver, not that great. Uh, so I think Kansas City be able to pull that off. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go near this game. But listen, the Leaps are such fucking dog shit. I had to. Uh, Patriots are currently two and a half point underdog to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I'm going to take the Patriots, which again, I don't want to. But listen, the rest of the fucking Leaps suck. I'm not mad at you about that. Uh, could I do that? No. In fact, I'm not even going near the Bills about this one. Do I feel confident about the game? Yeah, but you know what? It's still the Patriots, so we still got a lot of work to do. Uh, so let's see. For my lock, oh, God. You know, call it drinking some Kool-Aid. Liked what the 49ers did last week, so I think they got a chance to do it against Seattle one more time. So yeah. taking, taking the 49ers uh, minus three and a half. All right. And for my leap, and like I want to stress this, the leaps were absolute hot garbage this week. Absolute. Yes. I want to, in our chat, and I know our, our fellow competitors are listening to this podcast. I want to know who's really feeling confident about their leaps this week. Oh, Lord. I'm taking Pittsburgh plus four against Baltimore. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm rolling some dice. I don't like this at all. I'm not feeling good about this. I think I've crossed out. I'm showing Pad my page right now. I've crossed out three teams. I was Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Because I'm not happy about it. I'm throwing phones. I'm that pissed off about it. But you know what? Uh, it's going to be a week, so hopefully I don't. maybe I tread a little water because I still got to find a second leap, too. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. I'm there with you. Uh, we'll have to wait to see what happens after Thursday. Uh, that all being said, though, the music here in this edition of the ODPH is that Brian Wolf. He's fantastic. He's a Packers fan. Yeah, he is. You know, he likes to do locks and leaves occasionally, too. We'll get a message from him. Yeah. Hey, if I want to find out what's going on with Brian, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You go there, check out everything going on with Brian. Everything going on with Second Suitor. Yard Party. Floodlands. Tom Jolu. The list goes on and on and on and on. But they're all great musicians, so you go definitely support the holy hell out of them. Also, while you're at this website, go check out Parlay Points under the section at the top because we got so many blogs. There's new blogs coming. Dre is writing for us now. Ooh, all right. Shout out to our guy, Dre Driven. We're due for a Mundre minute anytime he wants to drop one off because he had a couple things he was narrowing down. I think I have an idea what it's going to be if I want to do a little spoiler. I think he's going to address the egregiousness that was trying to buy Spider-Man No Way Home tickets this past uh, Monday. I'm not going to say I told you so, but I told you so. Oh, you did. No, no. There'll be a whole story tomorrow. And uh, trust me, 3FN has a story about that, if you're not listening to them, about the ordeal that went down with that. Uh, It's very, very insightful. But also, like I say, you get past the blogs. You get past the music section. You go check out the directory, which has every single place that we can put up as a link to the podcast. And Pat, how many sites do we have up there? Uh, over 14 million. Exactly. And it's growing every day. So if you're like, I want to listen to the ODPH on my favorite provider, like Good Pods, we have a link there. Well, I listen to it on Amazon Music. We have a link right there. How about Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts? I sound like the promo because it's true. We got everything right there that you need, babe. And that's what we do. Uh, then we also go 
to the classified section where I'm getting my dusty rose on. We got what you, we got what you need, baby. We have got friends of the show that we're I'm going to stress so much during this holiday season. If you're looking for gift ideas, go check the classifieds out. It's a lot of our local friends there under the friends of the ODPH that you can get great gift ideas for and go support during this holiday season. So we have a lot of them out there. And definitely shout out to our guy, Brian Wayne from Cheers to Comics, because he's doing the online store too now. And if you use the promo code ODPH, you get 10% off at checkout. How cool is that, Pat? Oh, very cool. Also, while you're at the classifieds, we have organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we are in. So shout out to... The Apocalypse, shout out to the Inner Circle, and of course, hashtag 607podcast, and our guys over at 8122 Productions, which I can't stress enough, if you really want to find a hot take for this past week's nonsense trying to buy Spider-Man tickets, go listen to the latest 3FN, but you should be listening to it anyway. All of that, the T Public Store, which has the Pads Dealing logo on it. Yeah, it does. You can go get some swag right now, courtesy of Pad. It's currently on sale, too. All that and so much more, odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Fuck the Nets. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We will see you next time.